you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to CollinsLastStand.com. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 120. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Chris Raygun. Chris. Hey, hey. How are you today? I'm good. How, how is your life? Yeah. It's not so bad, you know? It's the same. It's 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 Groundhog's Day still. Yeah. You know, for the most part. But, you know, I've actually been going outside because the weather's kind of cool. Mm. It's like It's like that fall kind of comfortable area before it's like not cold but also not hot it's ideal yeah it's uh it's fall here yeah. in the northeast or i'm not really in the northeast anymore i guess i can't say here in the northeast but it's it's no doubt fall weather and it is nice out and beautiful day it was raining for a few days here but uh yeah everything's copacetic here as well and uh we're joined today as we were a couple of weeks ago a few weeks ago i think by a guest host dustin Furman. dustin Thank you for joining us. It's your boy. I'm back. Yes. Thanks for having me again. You're very welcome. Um, I felt like it would be important today to bring in another voice just to have as many opinions as we can get on the PlayStation 5 UI video, which went live today when we were recording this just hours ago. So, yeah, wanted to wanted to pull Dustin in off the, you know, dust him off as it were, dust mm-hmm. off Dustin and 
pull him off the bench and get his opinions on this as well. But of course, we have a show chock full of other news information and madness as well. I'll have you know that in the exit surveys on Patreon, we lost another viewer for being too mean to Europeans. Another listener. Mm. So uh, going to tell the European listeners today. It's all a joke. We, I actually really like you guys a lot. I just I have a lot of angst. That's <laughs> and, good that uh, you like him because I don't. Yeah, Dustin doesn't like Europeans. I hate him. Oh, I like him. <laughs> wow. Dustin hates Europeans. I didn't anticipate such a ratcheting up of the stakes, but I just want to make it are. clear right off the bat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, You want to be straightforward. Straight. Sure. Yeah. No, I understand. You're putting all your cards on the table. Everyone knows now Dustin hates Europeans <laughs> and uh, the Canadians. And I, so, oh, yeah, I don't know. Now you're getting a little nuts. You know, they got their fake money up there. They do have, fake you know, money. the maple syrup. Well, yeah, what's maple what's syrup going on? What's wrong um, with the maple syrup? I, I don't have a, a problem. I think maple syrup is fantastic, but uh, ah. maybe there's maybe they like it a little too much or something. It's, you know, it's like a cultural identity. I don't, I don't know. know. I, feel, I feel like you're backtracking a little bit on what you just said. Hmm. Rather quickly. I mean, I think you gave up your ground there rather rapidly. <laughs> yeah, it was so pretty, well, it was it didn't really take much. I don't don't commit any crimes, Dustin, because they're going to get it out of you. Uh, lickety <laughs> split when you're interrogated. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm ready. All right. So Sacred Symbols PlayStation podcast, our 120th episode of the core show. Thank you guys for joining us. Remember, you can support us on Patreon for early ad free access to our show and lots of other perks, including a dedicated discord channel and the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas to our show, etc. Get your name in the credits, whatever the case might be. We really do appreciate your support over there. Obviously, the biggest perk for many is exclusive access to Sacred Symbols Plus, which is our additional episode we do each and every week. Last week, we had Dustin and our friend Mr. Matty Plays do a show all about role playing games, kind of the current state of role playing games, the future of role playing games on PlayStation, etc. And so on. Awesome response to that episode. So we'll have them do another show soon. Uh, in the meantime, I think next week I was thinking about doing launch game rankings, but I might want to give that one more week just to make sure everything's settled in yeah. for the launch first. And then maybe we can do that. So maybe Chris and I will just jump in and do a mailbag. We haven't done one of those in a while. So please look forward to that. But thank you guys so much for your support on Patreon. We couldn't do it without you. About 10,000 of you over there supporting us. Thanks again. And if you listen on free feeds, I usually don't bring this up in too deep of a way. But if you listen on free feeds, Please leave us nice reviews and nice ratings on iTunes or whatever. We could really use the help to find new audiences. We appreciate it. Thank you for all of this. Now, we have some inquiries and some things to get through from the audience before we get into what we're playing as usual. Before we do that, Chris, I wanted to throw it over to you, though, to just kind of inquire what's happening in your life. I feel like there's a lot going on in your life in terms I I don't understand. I don't know what's going on with your move. Are you staying? Are you going Talk yeah. to me like I'm the talk to me like I'm a father figure and tell me what's happening in your life. Well, there's a lot of things in motion, but none of it is is entirely concrete. There are some things that are concrete, but then they hinge on things that aren't. And there's like vice versa. So I am hesitant to say exactly what is happening exactly when. But the goal is <laughs> is to end up in New York fairly soon. That's a terrible feeling to be in the, you know, and hinging on important life decisions you know yeah yeah it's a little uncomfortable it's like massive change but you know i don't know i think i'm i could use it at the very least like it's a change in a direction that i i i would like but at the same time it's like there's a lot of things to consider when you know when buying property you know so it's like because that's what i'm trying to do right now is trying to buy so i'm so i so i don't have to rent anymore because renting is stupid so i'm in a situation now where it's like well i could move back 
to my parents for like five months and save a ton of money and get someplace that's even way, way better. But I would have to stay here for an extended, like with my parents for an extended period of time. And I love my parents, but I think anytime you go back, it feels like regression and that'll just like, you know what I mean? Like the feeling. I know it. Chris, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So it's like, I, I could see that potentially being pretty irritating for those, for that brief period of time, or I could go, now but i have to get a bunch of shit sorted and you know it, it's a lot it's a big it's a big move and i've never really done anything like this by myself so it's just a bit yeah. uh it's yeah. it's a lot i haven't had it I've, I've barely had time to play the video games that i want to play sucks yeah it's just no i i totally understand i totally understand what you mean because i moved back with my mom for what five months when i was waiting for my house here and it actually is pretty it, I was actually pretty excited about it at first. I love my mom. She's awesome. Um, yeah. And she's a really great woman and she took good care of me when I was there. But you, you, when you when you've been out on your own and then you have to kind of go back to the nest, even if you know it's just a temporary thing, it is difficult. And I was really eager to get out of there through no fault of hers, but just because I had to go. I need, I, I just needed my space and I feel so much better mentally. You see, you're going to feel so much better, Chris, mentally, physically, emotionally. I think once you have some space, you should buy some sort of farmstead in western new york build a <laughs> fallout shelter yeah and really prepare yourself for what's inevitably going to happen yeah. oh yeah everything's everything's crumbling yeah so it'll, it'll be nice to have a <laughs> a condo yeah <laughs> for when the world collapses well dustin's a homeowner too so we'll, you'll you'll soon be amongst our ranks and it'll be very exciting we're, we're wishing you the very best on that and we'll you know keep, keep talking to me like i'm a father figure seek advice from me i will you can call him dad if you want. Yeah, call me dad and like I do privately. Uh, yeah, Dustin. Yeah, please. you know I think I'll I think I'll save that. You know, yeah. for yeah. the right moment. For the right moment. Yeah, yeah. it'll lose its impact <laughs> if I if I just if I say it every day. Sure, I want to just put you on my lap and do one of those. You know, like you're on my knee and I just kind of you know boop, 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 a little boop, bounce. Boop, boop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a little like uh, like this like the Santas at the mall when they whisper about communism into the kid's ear. Right, right. If they're they're getting they're getting off easy, those kids. If Santa's whispering about communism in their ear, because I'm sure some of them are whispering. <laughs> is that what happened to Chris? Is that many years ago a Santa Claus whispered about communism in your ear, and it's no, been it's, all downhill ever since? It's it's yet another Seinfeld memory. Yes, oh, okay. <laughs> of course. All right, let's see here. David Lindsay wrote into us about our little trio here. He said, "Hey, dude, just wanted to say I'm digging the variety of hosts and co-hosts lately. Certainly." I love the classic Colin and Chris duo, but I'm really enjoying hearing new voices and getting to know the other folks on your team a little better. Keep at it. Thank you, David. Yeah, I, I think it's going great, too. We're getting a lot of really positive feedback about it. Oh, I got a question a little bit of your fan, though, David. You, you spelt my name with two L's. That's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, banned. You're, ban- you're banned. Yeah. From, uh, this. But I do appreciate the kind words nonetheless, and uh, we're very happy to have Dustin here. And getting Matt uh, integrated into this, too, Mr. Matty Plays who's a great YouTuber, great role-playing game YouTuber, I think has been a lot of fun. So we've been getting really positive responses. Remember, of course, the first episode that Dustin and Maddie ever did together was actually the Persona 5 spoiler cast, which is free for everybody, whether you're a patron or not. So uh, go check that out if you want and see what they're doing over there. Now, Alan Abraham wants to take Chris you know, to, to task and right. Well, we'll let him speak for himself. He says, you're going to tell me with a fucking straight face. That Chris Reagan can judge and chastise people that press their butt cheeks off the edge of a chair to let out a cheeky, silent dose of flatulence. But at the same time, this kid wears his fucking glasses in the shower. Is this some sort of sketch show that you're running here, Colin? I demand an answer. God damn it. That's all in capitals. (laughs) 
Chris, people are really hung up on this. We get letters about this every week still. I mean, this is a story of you wearing your glasses in the shower. This is is this like months old now? I know that we're in like Groundhog's Day of Groundhog's Day at this point, but I don't feel like people are really relinquishing control of this story. They want more answers from you. And I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I bring all sorts. Of, I bring my guns into the shower, you know, I, wow. I, Holy I bring shit. good for you. Uh, I bring magazines into the shower. Sometimes <laughs> I'll read them and, you know, it, it's like a speed reading thing. It's like, how right. fast can I get through this magazine before it becomes paste in my hands? Sure. And uh, among other things, like sometimes I'll like, you know, the heat lamps in some bathrooms. Yeah. I'll just, you know, turn the heat lamp on and go to sleep in there. Wow, yeah. that's good. Does anyone? No one really puts heat lamps. That's like a real seventies and eighties thing, right? I think I don't. <laughs> yeah, that was in my first apartment though. When I when I moved to L.A., it had a heat lamp in the in the bathroom. And yeah, I I've had some thinking, apartments that have had it too. And I, and I remember thinking, like maybe, like I thought at first it was just a normal light, and something was really wrong with it. <laughs> so I was like, "Is this?" I, I brought everybody into the into the bathroom, and I was like. You can feel that, right? <laughs> <laughs> you certainly can. And it's like a 400 watt bulb. So your electricity bill is like, you know, $700 a month when you use it. Oh, yeah. As, it's as a regular light. All right here. Let's see. Oh, we got a letter about this from Corey Ramon. A lot of people wrote in about this. He said, wait, what on earth is a female caller? I've never heard that ta- term. A call girl. So last week I told you guys that and I do right now have a female caller here at my house right now of a, a female lady friend of mine. And I called her a female caller, which is a, a kind of a, a Victorian reference to the old term gentleman caller, which people used to say like, oh, he a gentleman caller came by uh, requesting your uh, presence today or whatever or for luncheon or whatever. You know, if you listen, if you watch Down Abbey like I do, you know all about the gentleman caller. Uh, yes. So I was just kind of putting the female caller spin on it. If I was going to hire a call girl, uh, which teaches own, I don't mind that at all. I mean, do what you got to do. I probably wouldn't let you know on the podcast, though, you know, so <laughs> It'd be a baller move if you did, though, it would be. I mean, it could be a baller move. It could be a move of desperation. I don't know. Again, no judgments <laughs> from me, but I just feel like if I was going to get a call girl, I don't know that I would necessarily declare it here on the show. Listen to by. I don't know, 60,000 people a week. Yeah. So or, or really anywhere yeah. publicly, really. That's sure. Typically. Sure. You know, not necessarily the best. Be a little more private. Yeah, I think then then you guys are maybe giving me credit for. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I forget sometimes that there's probably about 10 percent of you listening to this show that don't know anything that isn't in like a visual novel or like in a Final Fantasy game. And so I get that. If, you know, they never said, Colin, they never said the term female caller in Final Fantasy seven. I have no idea what you're talking about. And why haven't you finished Final Fantasy seven yet? You know, et cetera. And so on. So <laughs> they, you only know things that are in Final Fantasy seven. <laughs> I'm breaking the mold here a little bit for some of you guys that think r- the real world is Midgar. Well, it isn't. All right. So thank you for writing in turbocharged nerd wrote into us and said, hi, Colin and Chris. I know this may give me an instant block. It won't. But there's no such thing as a stupid question. I, well, Let's not get too carried away. <laughs> I was too young during the Xbox 360 Red Ring disaster, and I don't understand the historical context of wrapping your 360 in a towel. Sounds like something my grandfather would say back in my day. Well, turbocharge nerd. It, it's really quite simple. I don't recommend anyone do this, of course, and the era of doing this is over. But some people found that in that original run of Xbox 360s that were red ringing, that if you turned it on and then wrapped it in a towel so that it overheated dramatically, it would fix itself. And it had something to do with like some sort of welding inside the system yeah and uh it was like a it was like a 
a meme before I guess there were really memes, but it really was. As far as I understand, it really worked for some people. Yeah, no, but I'm not I, recommending I can, you do it. I can attest to this. This it actually did work. Yeah, me too. I did it also. It's insane. Like it's like a like some kind of spell spell book shit, but it, it really <laughs> did inexplicably work. Like you didn't need any like you know worms wart or frogs breath or anything to get it working, but <laughs> literally wrapping it in a towel just somehow worked. It is deeply disconcerting to me though that there are people alive. You could end that sentence there, I guess. But <laughs> that people that there are people alive that can't remember the red ring because that that really makes me feel like everything is crumbling even even more so than it already is, because I can't be that old that people who can write in, in perfect English can't remember something that I, I remember very vividly. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I feel old as shit on this show all the time. You guys combined are like barely my age. You know, so I'm like a 70 year old man. So it's really hard to be on the show and talk to you guys in a way. I don't know what's going on. Some with my lady friend here. Someone was what was it last week? She because she listens to the show. Oh, it was there's that blonde Nickelodeon star that we remember. Jojo Siwa. Yeah. And she was like, oh, you don't know who Jojo is. And I'm like, I literally I don't know, you know, who this is. And I, I don't. And then we were in Target and there's literally a calendar like a marquee calendar of this girl. And I'm like, how do I? It's not like I'm going to sit there and watch, but I'm like, how have I never even heard of this? Where am I that I would have never heard of something like this? And that's kind of where I'm at now in my own life. That's so, fair. Yeah, because she was obviously in the marquee of she was before, as we noticed, SpongeBob SquarePants in the list of drivers in the new Nickelodeon cart racing game. And I thought that that was extraordinary. Yeah, but I didn't see a SpongeBob SquarePants calendar in Target. So <laughs> it's, it's so wild that they put her before SpongeBob. Matthew Urso also wants to take Chris to task. I'm oh. sorry, Chris. You're getting a lot of attacks here this week, but I it's can, the way it's got to be sometimes. It. Usually I get it and I'll get it a little more, I think, in a little while. But it says, hey, rock hard, Colin and nut busting Chris. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, Chris, you lovable degenerate. Last week on the show when talking about Sony now only allowing players to buy digital on PSP, PS Vita and PS3. Oh, you mean PlayStation now letting you. So not PlayStation now. So we were basically saying last week that PS3, Vita and PSP games can only be bought off of their storefronts now and not online or on the app. Um, And Chris said, quote, what are you going to do? Buy a Brutal Legend on the PS3 in 2020? And he says, I'll have you know, sir, that last winter I brought Brutal Brutal Legend for the PS3. I'm sure this means there are other people out there like me who may do the same. Hearing you judge people like myself so quickly compelled me to write you in and ask you to think before speaking. (laughs) Love you guys and love the show. And Chris, I beg you, please don't retaliate by harming me with your mystical powers. Now, Chris, Matthew wasn't the only one. I think we got two other letters about this. So at least three other people in the audience took the time to tell you that recently they brought Brutal Legend, which came out in, I think, 2008 or 2009 at the latest. On uh, PS3, these people bought yeah. Brutal Legend on PS3. I guess so. I mean, I can't I can't know for sure that they're telling us the truth. I can't. I I feel bad saying this, but I, I don't know if I, I have the sympathy for this. I don't know if I have the the goodwill to to levy towards these three people <laughs> who just bought <laughs> brutal. It is you have to understand if you're one of these people that that's that's a wild thing that you've done. Like that is yeah. Where did you find it? Did because surely they don't have. I promise you, if I walked into a GameStop right now and said, "Do you have Brutal Legend?" Maybe they'd have like. A discarded Gamefly sleeve with like a scratched Brutal Legend disc on hand, maybe one. 
but like I I <laughs> I struggle to imagine how you even got it because you certainly didn't download it right because no, the PS3 no, no, store no. is so so fucked yeah <laughs> that like that would no. that would take you you know another 2020 years so like I I don't know I, I will say though he did say last winter I bought Brutal Legend so technically not in 2020. Mm. I will I will mm. put that little caveat in there. Well, fair enough. I mean, a lot of people uh, now I'm afraid because you opened up a whole nother Pandora's box of now people are going to be like, well, I just went to my local GameStop and there was a brutal legend in perfect condition. You know, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to hear any more about it. Tim Schaefer uh, is is probably like waking up right now because he's like, oh, what's what's going on? Are, are people are people buying brutal legend on mass? again <laughs> jack black's about to write in and let us know that brutal legend is still available at his local game stop so <laughs> it, it's probably gonna get like a second wind now because we've mentioned it so much you do have arcane power so that could be we'll keep an eye on it we'll probably when we post this at the same time they'll announce that brutal legend remastered is coming to ps4 although maybe it would well who published EA published it. So I guess that wouldn't have anything to do with double fine anymore. Yeah, no, that was such a weird game. I really, I really didn't like it very much, but that was just, me. I kind of liked the spirit of it. I enjoyed it as a, as a concept. Yeah, it was a little strange. No doubt. All right, let's see here. Andrew Walsh wrote into us and said, good day, fellas. I have a question on why you guys are so hard on the PS five's launch lineup. I've been looking at the previous generations launches. And to be honest, they are all pretty terrible. Compared to the PS5, it's just my two cents. Hope all is well, and thanks for all of the great content you guys do. Have we been unusually hard on the launch lineup? I don't know. I, I think we've been about as hard. It's just that it's the it's the relevant launch lineup, so we're talking about it more in depth mm-hmm. than we're you know we're we're talking about it in you know maybe harsher terms because it's you know it's the new launch lineup that we're supposed to be talking about. But I don't know. I, I don't think we're particular I, I have a feeling like if we had been doing this show back during like the ps3 or ps4 launch lineup i'm, I'm sure we would have been equivalently or similarly harsh you know I, I do think this is probably a better launch lineup than most playstation systems but you know it's still the presence of spider-man is really good you know that's like a, obviously like a really great thing but it's also like you know it's like that's you know that's it and everything else is kind of eh. it's um I, I don't think it's i don't think we're being particularly harsh the Demon Souls fans are going to, oh, God, now we have to hear from them yeah. as well. I'm sure Demon really Souls is fine. I will play it. <laughs> uh, Dustin, you edit the show every week. Are we unusually hard on these uh, this launch lineup? I don't recall anything that was harsh. That's I was looking at this question. I was like, I don't see anything. I mean, it's if you have been, I mean, it seems pre- it's pretty standard overall. There's a few games. Some of them will be good. Some of them will be bad. But yeah, I haven't noticed anything. Yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Shut up, Andrew. <laughs> band. Band. Wow. We're getting a little I'm getting a little <laughs> flippant lately with the bands. Yeah. Welcome to band practice, dude. Whoa. All right. James Gormley wrote into us and said, hey, boys. So this is a correction. Last week, I nearly suffered a terrible accident while driving down a very busy road listening to your podcast. Chris uttered the words Stone Cold Steve 316. (laughs) Upon hearing this egregious misquote, I nearly plowed my car into a crowd of innocent bystanders. The actual quote from the great Steve Austin is Austin 316. (laughs) 
And it was usually followed by just whipped your ass, Chris. If you would so kindly do as well as to apologize and put some respect on the man's name, I'm sure all your Stone Cold Steve Austin loving fans would appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for everything, fellas. And as always, keep smash smashing those asses. I guess we will. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I guess I will keep smashing those asses. But James uh, is not the only one to write in about this as well. <laughs> I know Stone nothing Cold about wrestling Steve. at all. So it's I a, don't either. I have no idea. I I I sincerely like if you showed me a picture of Stone Cold Steve Austin, I'm not I'm not sure I would know right off the bat that that's who I was looking at. Yeah, I think I can see him, but all the like white grizzled strongman wrestlers in the like the 90s and aughts, they all kind of look the same. They all have like their handlebar mustaches and <laughs> they all kind of they all kind of blur together. Yeah. Now, like, to be fair, guys, though, yeah. I have never watched a wrestling match in my life. And when I was editing this, I was like, "How do they not know this?" I was. Why part, didn't you was, say anything? You're supposed to be the producer of the show. What am I show? supposed to do afterwards? It was know. already it was already on you know in the can. Yeah. Well, that it's in the can because, well, whatever, Dustin. What do you just listen to it and whatever happens happens? Hey, when I've, you, you edit I've, the show? I've edited out mistakes, facts. That you got wrong in this show, and I didn't even say anything because that's I'm just doing my job. Wow, I appreciate that. How do you know this without knowing anything about wrestling? Because it's the shirt. There's like people with shirts that say Austin 316. I and thought you, the shirt said but, Stone Cold Steve 316. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much better. It's so much better than Austin 316. Uh, it really is. It's way better. It's <laughs> way better. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve. We got to get shirts made it because we're going to have the new store soon for merch. We got to get a shirt that says Stone Cold Steve 360. (laughs) People are probably going to get murdered wearing that shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's good stuff. All right. Let's see what else we have here. Oh, this is a good question from Tyler. A festive question. He says, hey, fellas, since it's October and the month of spooky things, what's on the docket? Colin, are you finally going to play the evil within? Chris, are you going to finally play Resident Evil 7? Thanks for keeping my sanity intact during the week. You're very welcome, Tyler. Thanks for writing in. By the way, did you guys see the picture I put up on Instagram and Twitter of the pumpkin I bought? It is oh, comically nice. small. It's comically small. And I'm hoping that my <laughs> neighbors understand that it's supposed to be a joke and that's not me being serious. But we, it, it's hard to know for sure. Are you guys going to play any uh, Dustin? Are you going to play any festive games this year? I'm currently playing one that's borderline festive, but I don't know. I'm not. I just play those type of games whenever I want. I mean, usually it's more like watching either a TV show or movie is what I do. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like festive. I I don't know, like holiday themed games really only comes into account when it's like Halloween, you know, because, you know, what are you going to you play home alone? You know, no one's (laughs) no one's going to do that. So like it's really just scary games, which like come out all the time. And uh, oftentimes they come out like early. Like in the year, like uh, obviously like the last couple of Resident Evil games came out like what, like March, January. Like it's a very early like. So I don't know, like I don't really get into the spirit of like playing scary games around Halloween. I, it really is more of a TV thing. Like, oh, I guess I'll watch Edward Scissorhands for the next three months, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm totally with you, Chris. I have no I don't I don't really care about this time of year from that perspective. I like scary things all the time, so. Whenever I'm interested in watching a horror movie, I'll just do but, that but as there well. There are so. like classics. It's like the Christmas classics, right? Which I don't really care too much about because Christmas is never like, you know, the the big th- my, my a big thing. The big thing in our house is always New Year's, for whatever reason. Mm, mm. But Halloween, whenever Halloween comes around, it's like okay, now it's socially acceptable 
to watch, uh, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas or like Edward Scissorhands. If you watch those movies, I feel like in like April, I feel I feel like it's just stupid. I feel like you're stupid if you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not, no bones about it. Wow. All right. Well, I appreciate your candor. Thank you. In answering that question. We're really drawing lines with the audience this show. I know. I mean, well, you guys are. I mean, especially Dustin. I mean, Dustin told every Canadian and European listener that listens to the show that he doesn't he doesn't care about them. Yeah. He doesn't like them. So, well, thanks for that. That's going to be great for business. And uh, <laughs> Mark, Mark Zebro Jr. wrote in with a more serious question. He asks, I haven't written here in a while, so I figure I'll just shoot you guys a hard hitting question. How do you deal with loneliness? Whether it's an isolation or just the feeling of being alone or any other meaning for it, this feeling has primarily been a part of me of me for my whole life. And as of recently, it's felt much more advanced. I'm trying new ways of coping with it, but there always seems to be a barrier that I can't break away from. Sounds like something I should be telling my therapist for sure. But I thought I'd reach out to you guys and get some perspective on it. Anyway, stay safe, you guys. Thank you and have a nice day. Thank you for writing in, Mark. Good to hear from you. Uh, Chris, how do you deal with loneliness? Uh, well, hmm. We, we, we can't be sued, right? Mm, I think we can be, but I, ah, I well, know. you know, maybe I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> I was going to I was going to say I, I drink. I, I was going to say I drink a decent amount, honestly. But well, that's but, an, uh, that's that's OK to say that. I mean, that's I'm just saying, it. like, I don't want I don't want anybody spiraling into a path of alcohol. Oh, that's their choice. I guess Please so, don't yeah. do that. But that's their choice. Don't do that. I'm not. No, I wouldn't say that I'm, <laughs> I drink that much. But, you know, like, I don't know, like, uh. I think generally speaking, you know, I just sort of, uh, I try to just focus on getting things done whenever I'm like in a mental like block where like things are really shitty and it's even, and it's hard to like get work done and it's hard to do things. I just sort of like push myself through to just do it because I know that at the very least, like if I spend the day miserable and make no progress that's like way worse for the next day than if i had like done something and still felt miserable all day because at least there's like some some up to go at the end of that because you can wake up the next morning and be like oh well i got all that done yesterday so i'm feeling better today just by virtue of having of having completed some menial task and it doesn't even have to be like crazy menial tasks or it doesn't even have to be like a like a huge thing but like even something is like oh if you got like I don't know, a closet that's like really, you know, unorderly, just like organizing it or, or like cleaning or like just doing something to just to make life slightly easier so that it's not so cripplingly hard later on. I, I was going to say, like, I, I agree with you generally, not only for the loneliness thing or the the, the malcontent or the, the sadness or whatever, but. I find just staying busy and not giving myself, as you're saying, more things to worry about by remaining productive is 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 really helpful to me. So uh, I agree with you there. And maybe that's something Mark can consider when he's feeling lonely or in isolation. Just keep your mind busy, work on a project, work on a hobby and all of the rest. I think that staying productive is is the way to go. Uh, Dustin, um, you you strike me as a chronically lonely man. Hmm. Uh, what, even though what even though you're me? married <laughs> is uh, okay. going to say, yeah, as far as this, I mean, yeah, I don't really I'm very thankful that I don't often feel lonely ever. I have other issues as far as like either self-motivation or not feeling good enough or things like that. And I think that a lot of it can all apply. I think what you guys said as far as like, you know, making sure that 
your environment is a, a positive one and and things like that. But as far as loneliness, I mean, I don't know whether it's, you know, keeping the friends you have reaching out to them or if, you know, they're not available, trying to reach out to people in the circles that you do have available. And I mean, this is really not a plug, but I guess it is now that specifically online now you can really create some interesting and cool relationships with people that may not even be close around you that you can eventually call, you know, a real friend or something like that. So being a part of a community like on a discord is always uh, an option. Yeah. Very well said. Very well said. Indeed. I don't know. I just I know a lot of people are struggling out there. I know this has been a, a difficult year for everyone. So not just people in our audience, but, but everyone. So keep your heads up. You can always write into us and we'll be happy to talk to you. Try to give you some counsel, especially me, because I've I've seen and done so much in my <laughs> in my storied life. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Before we get into what we're playing, boys, I just wanted to call out real quick. Randy Pitchford, of course, who's the founder and leader of Gearbox down in Texas. Guys that do Borderlands, they're making the game Godfall or they're publishing the game Godfall, I should say. Randy Pitchford tweeted out pictures of the actual disc and the actual game case and everything. It's pretty much the first time we've seen a PS5 game off of the publishing press, let's say. And so I just want to let people know if you wanted to go check it out. I mean, we already know what the box art looks like and everything, but just a kind of a cool little oddity. If you guys want to go look at what you're going to be holding in your hands in the weeks to come. So check that out as well, if you like. All right, let's get into what we're playing. Dustin, let's start with you. It says here that you're playing both Black Ops Cold Wars beta, in quotes, and then Prey. Yeah. So talk to us about it. So I'll start with Black Ops because that's the one that I've played the least, just because the so the beta was out early on PlayStation 4. Uh, Now it's open beta, I believe, on PS4 now, and it's a closed beta for PC and Xbox. But yeah, I hopped into it a bit today and I dabble in Call of Duty specifically like 
it's it's not an every year type of thing for me. Like every couple years, I'll find one that I I like and invest some time into. And I really liked Modern Warfare last year, both the regular multiplayer and Warzone. And so, yeah, this new one is interesting just because I know that a lot of people are not very hot on it right now. And so what I played today, it's it's weird because it they're the same type of game, right? They're they're both Call of Duty games, but apparently Treyarch uses their own engine for their Call of Duty games. And so it does have a bit of a different feel to it. But what I played seemed seemed fine. In fact, it didn't strike me as entirely different from other Call of Duty games. It definitely has a different feel as far as like there's like electronic music in the the menus and some of the levels felt more movie-esque in a way instead of like modern military locations like i was playing specifically on a uh, a level four miami and there was like tons of neon lights and stuff like that so yeah i want to dive in to the beta more and check it out but just as a, a psa for people on playstation you can go check that out right now Right on. And, As, and I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't oh, mean to no, uh, I was just going to hop into Prey at this yeah, point. Please, so please. I decided to check out Prey because I had played the demo on PlayStation 4 a while back whenever it first came out. And I was sort of found it interesting, but I, I not enough to grab me. And I was thinking about it, that it was one of those games that this generation that kind of slipped by me because I really, really love Dishonored, Dishonored 2, and the expansion they did with Death of the Outsider are all really fantastic and, and criminally underplayed games, I think, by a lot of uh, uh, just the gaming audience out there. So I decided to check out Prey, and I don't really know how to feel about it because it is so not that I expected it to be like Dishonored, but it's definitely... Uh, a very unique game in that it's a mix of doing things stealthily and trying to get around this ship and you often don't have enough ammunition and you off you also don't have a lot of health and so you're constantly feeling like you are on a, a razor's edge and so far I've been kind of enjoying it but I'm not really hooked and I'm going to keep playing I think just because one of the more interesting aspects of the game that I've seen is the I can't remember. There's some kind of alien creature, but you get to unlock abilities that the aliens use. And so, like, I saw you can, like, turn into inanimate objects to both hide and, like, move around the station. So you could turn into, like, a coffee cup or something. And so that's what really intrigues me about it is that more immersive sim style gameplay so mm -hmm. i'm gonna stick with it for now but i'm not like the story is mildly interesting but it's not holding me and so far i've mainly just been frustrated by how little resources i have but apparently from what i've seen online that the beginning is the slowest part of the game so i'm gonna stick with it yeah that's cool i'm, I'm, I, I'm glad people are playing because i heard i heard that moon crash was insanely good. That's what I heard too. And like, I, I've been wanting to jump into it, but it's like I, I have Prey on PlayStation. All my saves are gone, so I'd have to start it again. And it's right. like, and that that first the intro of that game is, is really slow. Yeah, dude, that Moon Crash DLC, uh, 
Maddie, Mr. Maddie plays was telling me like, yeah, definitely. If you check out Prey and maybe it's not for you, consider hopping into that DLC because it, he said that he thinks it's like one of the best add ons to a game this generation. Yeah, that's what I heard from a lot of people. So I'm looking forward to getting back into Prey at some point. Yeah, I remember I just walked away because of the combat, as I recall. It did It did really. I wanted that, that game to resonate with me uh, on a Bioshock type level, but it it just didn't. Yeah, for no, me, but. Uh, Prey is definitely more of a system shock kind of yeah, game. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, it feels mm. more like, ironically, it feels more like a successor to System Shock than Bioshock does. Not to, you know, disparage the holy name of Bioshock because Bioshock is amazing. But. No, it's definitely like a slower kind of like more um, resource focused kind of wandering through a space station. Chris, it says here that you're playing Crash 4. It's about time still. Yeah, I'm still playing it. I haven't had much time to like play anything else uh, with everything going on, but I'm still really liking it. I'm still fucking adoring it. It's 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 still it hasn't gotten worse for me at all. It's so good. We actually have an interesting question here because th- there's been some I don't know if it's a, like grounded in reality. I guess we haven't really seen the um, the MPDs yet and stuff for this month, obviously, because the game came out in early October. But Jameis Hain wrote into us and said, uh, hello, Crash and Crunch Bandicoot. There's been reporting of the soft sales for Crash 4, and there's a lot of finger wagging as to why I've seen things such as reboot fatigue, as well as a better than expected remasters of the insane trilogy. To add a personal anecdote, while I had some interest in getting it, I felt the lack of any PS5 skew or upgrade notice was a big detractor for me. I think also something I want to speak on is being burned by CTR's post-launch edition of microtransactions. Activision said up front there wouldn't be any post-launch microtransactions, but their history on this has proven untrustworthy. I think a publisher's track record has influenced my purchasing decisions and wondering if I'm alone here. Are people actually speaking with their wallets on this one? So we don't know. I mean, this is all anecdotal, but it doesn't seem like this game is selling as strongly as expected. But I honestly think that a lot of that has to do with insane trilogy and comparing it to that, because that game did so extraordinarily well. I think it exceeded everyone's expectations. Do you feel like this game deserves to I'm assuming it hasn't been selling well, Chris, are you are you feeling like this game is is for crash fans? And why would you think that people might be staying away from it? Um, I don't know. I think there's probably a lot of factors. I know personally, as somebody who like was looking forward to it, not necessarily like super hyped for it or anything, but like I definitely had an eye on it. Uh, I didn't even know it, like when it came out. Like I had to, I found out like the day that it was coming out that it was coming out that day. And I was like, oh shit, wow, okay. Uh, so I didn't really see a lot of marketing for it. I saw like maybe one trailer. Um, I feel like that might have a lot to do with it. But also I just think in general, like this is a, a pretty busy time in general. I think people are like saving a lot of money for, you know, their consoles and the next gen and looking to cyberpunk and looking to Spider-Man and looking to all these like big high profile releases. And, you know, uh, it's also just really fucking hard. (laughs) So, so I don't know. I, I feel like, uh, I don't know necessarily why people would be staying away from it, but, uh, I'll be real. I don't know if I really care because I have it. (laughs) Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? I'm, I'm, like I, yeah, I'm, I'm I got a, a great Crash Four, and I'm I'm like fine with that. I don't give a shit if people buy it, buy it or not. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally 100% agree with you there. As for me, I'm still playing East Eight Lacrimosa of Dana. I'm enjoying it. I was actually stuck for a little while in it and getting a little frustrated, almost to the point where I'm like, I can't fucking deal with this anymore. But it was just a stupid thing where I didn't see where I needed to go, so that's my fault. Very similar thing happened to me when I was a kid with um, the Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening on Game Boy. I almost threw the fucking Game Boy out the window. 
when I was 10 years old because of that <laughs> that's game. Such a, remind, that's such an absurd game. Yeah, it is. It is. It is an absurd game. Like the shit that the shit that it expects you to do. It is a weird game. And I, I'm not I'm not incredibly fond of that Zelda game when they remade it or whatever recently. I, I couldn't get excited about that at all. Personally. Oh, I, well, yeah. the remake was really good. Well, maybe I'll check it out then. In fairness. So there. Maybe I'll check it out then. Uh, also, I've been playing a strategy role playing game called Eichenfell. I've put in probably seven or eight hours into this game in the last week. I just bought it because I reached out on Twitter, as I sometimes do. Again, people told me to check this game out. So I did. And it's a simplistic kind of strategy role playing game, turn based grid based strategy role playing game about this girl's sister is missing at her wizard academy and they go and try to find her. It's really cute. I went to tweet out to recommend and I did recommend it to people on there, but I noticed that the person who made it blocked me on Twitter. And uh, so I noted that in my tweet because I didn't want to include him because then it looked like, you know, I'm harassing him or something, even though I like his game. But then people were like, "Whoa, why'd you have to say that? And I'm like, because then someone would have said, why didn't you include this person in the in the tweet? So this guy hurt. This guy apparently hates me. I still recommend you go buy his game. And I think it's actually um, uh, discounted on for PS Plus users right now, at least at the time of recording. So go look at a video, see if you're if that scratches an itch for you. I really dig that game a lot. And then uh, G.I. Joe Operation Blackout came out. <laughs> I downloaded it on the 13th. So I only played the first mission. It's pretty. I mean, it's definitely a budget game. I knew it would be uh, Tom Hedge wrote in and said, hey, guys, hope all is well. Colin, I know you're playing G.I. Joe Operation Blackout. I'm a longtime Joe fan. I need your first impressions or early review of the game. And I need it right now. Yo, Joe, Tom, I'll tell you that. It's not very good. It's a it's a loose cover based third person shooter. It's cool. You can play as like different characters and you also play as from both the Cobra and G.I. Joe perspective. So the good guy and the bad guy perspectives on different missions. So that's nice. There's a lot of fan service in it, but it's it's cutscenes are very budget with like kind of still frame appearances of characters and some questionable voice acting. And actually, my biggest problem with the game is. So in G.I. Joe, famously, like when G.I. Joe would shoot down a vehicle, the pilot would like jump out of the of the vehicle at the last minute and, and he wouldn't die and and all of that. And, <laughs> and like, the, you know, people like wouldn't die. And so so to get around that in this game, it's just all robotic enemies. And there is a robotic type of enemy in Cobra called the bat. But otherwise, like everyone is supposed to be human. So it's kind of lame because you're just fighting, at least in the first couple stages I've played, you're just fighting the same robotic enemy over and over again so they can get around that so you can kill people in the game. And I I understand that they had to get around that, but that's a fundamental flaw uh, with this game. And I'm a little I know that times have changed, obviously, but the NES G.I. Joe games, which were both really good. I mean, obviously, they're 8-bit side scrollers, but you could kill anyone you want in those games. So I don't really know what the deal is with that. I, I recommend it if you're a G.I. Joe fan, just because I feel like we should be giving Hasbro as much money as possible so they keep making G.I. Joe stuff. But it would have been cool for them to have spent the, the money, found a better studio. No offense to Iguana B or whoever made it, but just found a better partner, spent more money on it, more time and really gave us something worthwhile. Because when you do stuff like this with licensed products, which are not very common anymore, it sticks out more. There's n- licensed products, especially of a, of a bad quality, are just not exceptionally common. So a game like this sticks out like a sore thumb and it's a little bit of a disappointment. But I, I actually didn't go in with any expectations. So no problems there. Thank you, Tom, for writing in. All right, boys, let's talk about the big news of the week. It's the PlayStation 5 UI, the number one video on YouTube and trending at the time we're recording this. Mm-hmm. And Arsh wrote into us. It sounds like you're saying Arse, but with an H at the end of it. Says, what's up? I didn't think it was possible, but Sony has improved and made a better UI than the PS4. It is sleek, visually stunning, and integrates lots of features that help gamers game more efficiently. However, 
The one thing I am worried about is the lack of themes. From what I saw, it doesn't seem like themes are possible on this UI. The tiles are small, so the full screen has a bigger image of what the tile is. So I don't know how themes will work with this UI. Am I wrong? Well, we don't know how themes work, and I don't care about themes, to be perfectly honest with you. So it's not a huge problem for me, but I agree. It was a pretty sleek looking, uh, although I think very busy UI. I'm curious to see what the boys think about it. Chris, we'll start with you. What did you think about this UI video, the presentation? What stuck out to you? Uh, stuck out to you? What didn't you like? Talk to us. Yeah, so I, I like a lot of the features that I saw. I, I thought the like the picture in picture kind of streaming of like you can share your screen like when you're in a party. I, th- I thought that was really cool. I think that's like a really cool idea. And there's there's some other features there that, that are cool. I thought the game help shit was stupid. I, I I just I don't know what like. Oh, there's an achievement for finding the collectible things. Let me just pull up a video to find that shows me where it is. And it's like ah. and the guy said, thanks, game help. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, my God, <laughs> I, stuff like that is kind of dumb. But like for the most part, like the feature sets, I, I, I like quite a bit. Um, that picture in picture thing specifically is like really cool. But I'm with you in the sense that I, I really I'm seeing a lot of busyness and specifically in the control center. I think the control I think the, the actual main uh, menu where it says games and media and it's like the new cross media bar. I think that looks great. I think it's really cool. The tiles are a bit small, but I think overall it looks really clean. It looks really good. But that control center thing. It looks so ugly. And I, I just don't know what the hell I'm even looking at half the time when when they're in that weird menu. I don't, I don't know. Is that weird? Is, is that a, is that a not is that a weird opinion? No, I, I think I personally think it's it's incredibly although it's sleek and quick. It, it does look busy to me. It's confusing, especially when you don't you aren't you're not able to play with it yourself. So you're just seeing what they want you to see. You don't know how it's going to feel and how it's yeah. going to quite function yet. But w- w- what do you think? Uh about everything dustin how did you feel about the ui video yeah i think the features are interesting they're cool and i mean i sort of understand the the whole game help aspect because they're probably looking at it like listen people all the time go to youtube where they get out their phone and look up how to do something why don't we just give them an option to do it that isn't going to take them away from the experience or the game directly so my biggest concern about a lot of these features, though, is that it's a it seems like it would be a lot of extra work for a developer to do. And so I'm just wondering, are developers going to skip out on adding like, uh, you know, whether it's the game help stuff or creating special checkpoints where you can hop in through one of those cards, because all of that has to be you know manually added at some point. So. You know, I I just hope that it's not one of those things that these features become primarily used only for first party games. But uh, I mean, we'll have to just wait and see on that. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I was thinking the same thing that because they were talking about how a lot of it is developed uh, up to the developer and some of these games will allow like in-game help. They were they were showing, obviously, the the new Sackboy game, which I think looks really cool. I mean, I, yeah. I, I do want to say I want to reinforce what I said about that game a, a week or two ago that I really feel like that game looks great and I'm excited to play it. It's more what I want Little Big Planet to be, which is something a little looser and not so creation heavy. So just seeing its vivid colors and Sackboy again, I thought was pretty neat. But I agree with you. I, I was thinking the same exact thing that developers are going to have to put in more time into this. And 
we're going to be publishing, you know, I am with with Lilymo going to be publishing games on PS5. We don't have a PS5 dev kit or anything, but I'm curious what is this is going to look like when we make Twin Breaker 2 and other games. Are we going to have all these options to have like a news feed and in-game help and all of that? Because it's something that I'd probably run with. But I think that I'd want to run with it because I feel like a lot of others aren't going to use it. We saw a lot of features on PS4 that were promised that really never came to fruition, too, in that famous Sarah video. So, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. But I, I do like the organization of it. Mm-hmm. I like how the um, the bar on the bottom, like the UI bar on the bottom, the cross media bar is just kind of always present and the game is always in the background. So I know that Arsh was saying that he's afraid that there won't be any sort of themes because of this. But. I really have no issue with that. I want something a little more streamlined. My big problem with the cards, though, is like and they were talking about pinning and unpinning them. My hope is that I can go into the settings and kind of just get rid of all this stuff to have like to have a, a experience that is as clean or as as cluttered as I want it to be or as you want it to be. Yeah, I think would be pretty cool. So I think that's an exciting feature of it. Personally, we got an, a letter here from Anthony Palerno, who points out something that I think a lot of people are really excited about. And he says, howdy, folks, I got to say that by far the smartest feature on the new UI has to be that the store is integrated with the home screen on PS4. I really only open the store when I have a specific item in mind that I want to purchase. But rarely do I simply browse due to the excruciatingly long load times on my seven year old PS4. I think this may cause many people to make impulse purchase decisions on PS5 in a similar way to Steam. I was thrilled to see this as well. It is not. And they pointed they went out of their way to point out it is not an app anymore. It is just integrated into the PS5's dashboard. So this is a really exciting thing. And I agree. I think this is going to bubble games to the top. And they were talking about a more customizable and smarter store experience that I think will track what you buy and the games you're interested in and and kind of algorithmically give you what you want, as opposed to showing me, you know, the Sims and stuff like just don't ever show me that ever, you know, just show me the stuff that I want to see. So, uh, Chris, how did you feel about the store being integrated into the home screen? Oh, yeah. No, I think that's super smart. I think that's that was definitely something that I think is uh, needed. Uh, because I don't think it's any secret that the you know that the the, uh, the 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 store experience on PlayStation has not been particularly great, really ever, kind of. No. So uh, so it's you know it's it's nice to see something that looks uh, genuinely competent. Yeah, and yeah, also just absolutely. like really easy to jump in and out of. That's that's kind of the, a key thing. That I think is is particularly unique to PS5 because I I don't as far as I know I don't think uh, Xbox uh, Series X is doing that so I like that. Chris did um did the did the storefront kind of make you feel like what Anthony is saying that he wants that you might want to buy more games that like it, since you don't go into the store I never go into the store just to browse either or very rarely do I do that yeah because it is so excruciating do you feel like you might because I know you like to buy games on PC you're a little more agnostic do you think you might want to kind of segue back to ps5 just because games might be a little more accessible now i don't know i th- i think it i it will definitely make browsing less of like a chore the reason i don't browse is because it's such a freaking chore to do and i would i could see myself buying more things on ps5 if that experience is less infuriating for sure i don't know if it'll necessarily pull me because i i think I think the primary thing I'm thinking of when I'm buying a game really just depends on factors where it's like, okay, is this a multiplayer game? I'm going to buy it on the platform where most of my friends are. If it's uh, a game that's particularly graphics heavy intensive and I don't necessarily want to play it on my PC, I might I might jump over to the Xbox. But I do think I do think this store experience looks like it could potentially be 
the best console store experience, which which makes me pretty happy. Because you know, yeah, console store experiences in general aren't really that great. I think I think Xbox currently I think has the best one, and even that's just really just kind of you know it's being the best of the of the worst, basically. Sure. So no, I, I'm excited about this. Dustin, what do you think about this whole store integration and how it might be a really, I think, useful marketing tool for Sony as well? Yeah, I think the fact that the key is making it easy to access and quick, just because if you think about it, like if we were going to a a physical game store and it's like, okay, there's this great store, but you got to walk up two flights of stairs when you get there. And then once you get inside, only about 50 games are on display and the rest are on uh, listed on a piece of paper somewhere. Like that's just not an ideal situation to the point where you might not even go to the store. And that's like the, you know, the PlayStation store right now. It's like if you click on it, it loads in and then the curation, as you mentioned, is not great. And so it's just overall, it doesn't draw you as a place that you want to just go and browse around. And, you know, for on, in Sony's case, a place where you would spend money. So removing all of those barriers and making the shopping experience something fun to do maybe not even fun but just easy i think will i would think increase their sales just from people that you know maybe they boot up their ps5 and they don't feel like playing you know destruction all-stars today so it's easy for them to just hop in the store and look around yeah i think that this is all upside I'm excited about the accessibility. I want to see how the library looks. I, I would have liked to have seen more. The one thing is, so Sid Schumann did most of the the uh, commentary and Sid Schumann, of course, is a longtime PlayStation blog guy and is like the head of their social media and and uh, kind of marketing team over there. And he, it was interesting because he said something like, well, we're almost out of time. And, and my, in my mind, I'm like, well, that's your choice. I mean, what <laughs> I understand, I understand that you that you want to have more videos to show us more things, but. I just felt like it was a little weird, like they were just teasing it a little bit. And I'm like, I, it would have been cooler to have like, a, I think, a half an hour, not to complain too much, but like maybe more about like a half an hour video that really just comprehensively showed us this thing because it's coming out in less than a month. And how much do you want to stretch this thing out is my my major question, because there are unanswered questions, including about some of this stuff with um, and they showed it a little bit in the Little Big Planet game, but or in the Sackboy game, but kind of jumping into these so-called activities, how are trophies going to look? And all of the rest, I was surprised they didn't show that uh, more. So I want to see more of that. But there was a major Easter egg in this. And I was impressed by how quickly this got around. And I, I doubt you guys know noticed this, but because you're not a Killzone fan, but or not Killzone fans necessarily. But there was a major Killzone spoiler in this or not spoiler, but Easter egg that I don't think was coincidental. And Bart Chikaza wrote into us and said, hey, CNC. Is it just a mere coincidence that the, in the UI reveal video, they used a Hellgas soldier as the PSN avatar? What is even weirder is that the name used was a very obscure reference to uh, to Killzone. Kenzo Hakan. Kenzo Hakan was an obscure character in an easy to miss audio log in Killzone Shadowfall. In this audio log, he exposed and leaked the tracking record of someone that was being watched. Some are speculating that his actions of exposing a tracking record in the game coincide with the way the hints are being discovered, sort of like exposing the tease that Killzone is being brought back. Maybe some, including myself, are reading into this too much, but they could have chosen any PlayStation character for the avatar in their dense catalog. But they went with this very obscure and specific character. Am I reaching or is Killzone secretly being hinted at being brought back? Uh, I think it's clearly being hinted at being brought back. Chris, I'm curious what you thought of this. I doubt you caught it. But what did you think about this when you discovered that this was the case? Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I definitely didn't catch it. But that speaks to me as as something that's definitely 
you know, you wouldn't put that in a marketing video unless it unless, you know, it, it meant something, uh, especially to pick such a like it, it would be one thing if it was just like, you know, I don't know if, if the name was like Nathan Drake or something, you know, like a primary character. But the fact that it's just this kind of like obscure thing that like a lot of people would have missed seems to indicate to me that it is it is put there intentionally to kind of tease the fan base of that particular game. And there would be really no reason to do that unless you had some tangible plans of maybe revisiting that thing in the near future. I think I think resistance would be better, but like, OK, it's OK, fine. You know, can have another kill zone, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny that you bring up resistance, though, because we often talk about how Insomniac just won't shut up about that either and seem to be teasing something. So they could be teasing both things in their own ways. I just I think if they're not teasing something with both of those things and other things, I think they have to be a little more reserved about that. This is it's not so much the the Hellgast soldier PSN avatar that the, the Kenzo Akan name, I think, is really yeah, that's, interesting that in tandem, you know, in tandem with with the the Hellgast thing, I think it means a lot. Dustin, what did you make of this uh, Kenzo Hakan Easter egg? I honestly didn't even think of it. So I think that though Chris is right. And the fact that it's the combo of both is definitely makes it more than just a, a nice little Easter egg, because in a video like this, everything is intentional. Like they set up the account specifically for this. They laid out the games exactly the way they wanted it to look. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely seems like a possibility. Yeah, it's exciting. It's interesting. I, I still stand by that. We will get more kill zone and I do think we'll get more resistance, too. But I think maybe they're hinting at something more, although we don't know if Gorilla. We know that Gorilla has two teams and they're obviously working on Horizon Forbidden West. But maybe we'll see more about the Hellgast soon. So shout out, obviously, to everyone that noticed that. And Bart, thank you for writing in and. We have another question here from Ken Beiser, who speaks to something that I had mentioned earlier and I was a little surprised we didn't see more of. But he said, hey, C-squared, I just got a look at the UI for PS5 and I have a question about the hint system they have in place. First off, what are your thoughts? I'm a fellow trophy hunter, so I immediately started thinking with, about that. The example in the video was Sackboy looking for an outfit and with so many trophies out there for, hide, for finding hidden weapons and armor, will this make earning those types of trophies too easy? How do you think game devs will work around this for trophies? Thanks for all you do and keep making all the days great. So you guys have to assume, right, that there we're going to get a trophy centric video at some point because they did talk about the advancement in the game, like getting them um, doing missions, but they didn't talk about trophies at all, even though you saw like trophy percentages on the the cards and you see kind of tucked in the bottom right corner, a bar that indicates how far along you are in earning trophies and all the rest. So do you anticipate that this is something that they're going to talk about separately? Because I was a little surprised that they didn't go more into this. I feel like that's where a lot of meat is for the hardcore fans. What do you think, Chris? I actually don't think they're going to do a trophy centric video at all. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think so. I think uh, I think they're content. They, they definitely might hint at it or they might like go in depth in like a different video where they kind of, you know, uh, go a little bit more in depth as to what the re the rest of the things that the system can do, and they might touch on trophies there. But I don't anticipate a a trophy centric video. That seems too uh, reasonable. <laughs> I feel. <laughs> uh, Dustin, do you think that we'll see more about the trophies and the kind of the in game advancement stuff? Because I am interested in this 
First of all, it's interesting that they're kind of like cutting into the whole ecosystem of trophy guides and YouTube videos and facts and and walkthroughs and all of that. But again, it's going to be up to the to the developers about how much they utilize this stuff. But I, I personally would like to see more. What do you think? Yeah, I was really surprised because I feel like it would have been easy to be like, oh, and here on this card, you can see what percentage you are to getting this trophy or whatever. Like, it seemed like it could have been like a a one to two sentence thing just to add in there. But yeah, I, I think I'm with Chris that I don't think we're going to see a trophy specific video, but it's clear that they want to do more videos throughout the next month. So I wouldn't be surprised as if part of one of the videos focused on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping so. I think Chris is I think Chris is in, in the main is right that like, why would they do that? But I just think to Dustin's point, it was so conspicuous and it would have been so easy to spend 15 seconds on that, that it, it says to me, maybe they have something more planned, but possibly not. Yeah. The other game that we saw just briefly was Destruction All-Stars, which is an interesting game, I guess. I think people are kind of mystified by it in a way. And actually, I'm mystified by this. I'm so glad Seth Arnold wrote in about this on Patreon because he says, hey, guys, is it just me or does this Destruction All-Stars look like it should have been a Twisted Metal game? Do you think it may have started out that way and then they switched the art direction to be more like Fortnite? Love the show. Keep up the good work. I thought the same thing. It was the first time I had really ever seen the game um other outside of like one trailer or whatever and i couldn't help but think that too i'm like why is this not twisted metal it could be because it could even be called twisted metal all-stars but what i liked about it the most and i don't know if people notice this is when they showed the drivers standing in front of like the the platform the the victory platform or whatever they're just totally clipping through the ground all three of them and this was like the like their feet are just in the ground yeah and I, i was just surprised by that not that it really matters but i was just like this is the best footage you guys could have gotten. And then I realized that it seems like they probably did this all in one shot. So they got what they got. But and then did the VO over it. But are you, do you have any interest in this game, Chris? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I no, don't. I, I, I can't. No. I, I, I don't even know if I would have had interest. If it, if it was a Twisted Metal game, you know, I would definitely would have checked it out at least. But I, I don't know what I, I, I don't even know really what this is. Like, I, I, I guess. It looks like uh, it looks so much like Twisted Metal, like just from a from a design standpoint. And it's like it's so weird that it it just looks like Fortnite also. Well, the weird <laughs> part is they haven't even really shown it off. Like I am searching on YouTube right now just to see what they've put out. They have the announcement trailer that we saw when they debuted the PS5. And there's what we saw in the UI video. And that's it, which is weird because we've seen gameplay like actual extended gameplay of all of their launch games of first party, except for this one. So I don't know. Maybe they're trying to bury it just enough. Like it's like today they show just a little bit to remind people that it's an option, but they don't want to show off too much. I, I don't know. It's a weird situation with this game that we haven't seen more of it. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's funny, too, because Sid in the video is like, we don't have time to play it right now. And it's like, oh, it's convenient because uh, we would like to see more about it. But uh, and it is a 70 dollar game, I think. So I think people are interested in you think Sony would want to show a little bit more about it as well. They're publishing it. He also skipped really quickly. I don't know if you knew, saw that through the splash screens in the beginning, too. So I was I wanted to see more about that as well. But that might have been me, too. But it was cool to see the, the UI of the console, just in case people haven't seen it. Again, it's the number one trending video on YouTube at the time that we're recording this. It's called First Look at the PlayStation 5 User Experience. It's on PlayStation's YouTube channel. 
at youtube.com slash PlayStation. It's got 4.5 million views in its first eight hours or so. So a great sign for Sony, a lot of interest in all this. And I'm pretty excited about it. It was it's it made it feel a little bit more real. Did it not made it feel a little bit more real, which is really exciting. No, it totally did. At least we know this thing is real now. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. All right, let's see here, boys. Let's move on. There's some other news to get into. There was another notable PlayStation blog post, and we'll talk about that now. Number two, the UI, of course, was number one. In a post on the PlayStation blog entitled PS4 Games on PS5, your top questions answered. Sony revealed a few key details about how PlayStation 4 games will operate on your new console. The biggest details most people are interested in are the 10 games that Sony has identified that will not work with PlayStation 5 without being fixed. Afro Samurai 2, Revenge of Kuma Volume 1, uh, Mad Triangles PSVR, FPS, DWVR, Ubisoft's Casual Puzzler, A Hitman Go Definitive Edition, United Independence Zombie Game Joe's Diner, Superpunk Creative's Party Game Just Deal With It, Crytex VR Adventure Robinson The Journey, Chairs Metroidvania Shadow Complex Remastered, Frozen Bites Stealth Game Shadwen, Big Ben's Racer TT Isle of Man Ride on the Edge 2, and Lay Cortex Karaoke Game We Sing. However, we already know that some of these games will be fixed. The devs behind TT Isle of Man have confirmed their game will be compatible at launch, and Mad Triangles is trying to figure out the issues behind DWVR as well. In addition, Sony outlined PlayStation 5's so-called Game Boost, which is a way to get a better frame rate out of a game or higher visual fidelity. The blog post also notes in part, quote, PS4 games will also take advantage of some PS5's, some of PS5's new UX features, but more to come on that later, end quote. Likewise, the post reminds everyone that there is full backwards compatibility with PSVR and PlayStation Move, but that a still unannounced free adapter will be necessary to use PS4's camera. We already knew that. Already downloaded games as well as game data and saves can be sent from PS4 to PS5 with LAN cables or over Wi-Fi. But of course, PlayStation Plus members can just send their saves up to and back down from the cloud. Developers themselves will decide on how, if and when their games will allow save and game data transfer between their cross-gen versions of games. However... Jake Whitaker wrote in and said, hey, gentlemen, Sony announced 10 games that won't work on the PS5 via backwards compatibility. I couldn't tell if these were the only games that wouldn't work or just a few. But what do you guys think is the reasoning for this? Something on Sony's end or a problem with the game files? I don't make games, so I don't know how this works. Well, it's funny because the guys behind DW uh, VR, the PSVR shooter, they're called Mad Triangles. I believe they said in a post that they didn't even know why it wasn't working. So they have to figure out why. But what did you guys think about, and we'll start with Dustin, what did you think, Dustin, about this random assortment of games that won't work? I thought it was pretty funny, and it shows, actually, that they really, literally did try every game. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't, 
it's funny. I read this question. I was like, you know, that is a really good question, especially if you look at the assortment of games. I mean, we have like Hitman Go, which obviously I big development, not a big development team, but a professional, right? Not that these other games aren't professionals, but they're much smaller type games. And so we're seeing across the board as far as like small studios and big studios like Crytek also have these issues. So I'm really curious on what the case is, and I'm betting that it could be a, a multitude of different reasons. But uh, yeah, it was interesting seeing the the list overall. What did you make of this random assortment of games, Chris? I, I must say that I was surprised that I'd actually played a couple of these games and know what most of them are. So they aren't necessarily obscure games. Robinson, the journey is not an obscure game. Shadow Complex and Hitman Go aren't obscure games. So some of these are games that no one is going to necessarily run into. But it was interesting just to see this assortment. And I love the idea of them having like low men on the totem pole, just downloading and trying every one of these fucking games. It's <laughs> they really did do that. What did you make of that list? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Shadow Complex is the one that I I, I feel like is the biggest one, like to me, because like that's the one that I, I can recall. I know Hitman Go exists, but I never played it. But I think it's it's just such a funny assortment of titles. I think uh, I was I was actually kind of I remember when the list came out, I was like, oh, I wonder I wonder if Twin Breakers on it <laughs> would have been hilarious. But, yeah, that, that's just because they don't like us, though. They, yeah. they have an, an 11th game that they just don't want to work. And it's our game. What did you guys make of um, in terms of this post? Some of the other things, game boost. We got some information about the higher visual fidelity and the frame rate. We're going to talk a little bit about that later. When do you think Chris will see more information about this PSVR camera or PlayStation 4 camera adapter? That's apparently free. I'm still curious how they're going to do this. And it seems like you're not going to be able to play PSVR at launch, right? Unless it's just in the box. I guess it'll come in the box, maybe with every console. So you can just do it without having to send away for it or something. Yeah. Have they been have they been clear about this? I don't I don't they know. haven't been clear about it, but I assume that's how they're going to do it. Right. Otherwise, it would be like anything else would be like insanely expensive because otherwise you'd have to be like what you'd have to call Sony and ask them to ship you this like tiny fucking thing. Like it would have to be like with your in the box with PS5. Like that's the only reasonable way to go about it, I think. Yeah, I would assume so, too, because PSVR just wouldn't be playable day one without that, which might not matter to most people, but certainly matters to someone. Do you think, Dustin, that they'll just include it? I imagine so, because the only other way they would do it is maybe verifying your purchase with a with a barcode on the camera. So I have no idea how else they would possibly do that. But I'm surprised that they haven't talked about it more. Yeah, the only other I mean, they I feel like they would have said if it's in the box already. But I mean, I mean, it's certainly possible. I guess the only other options they really have are you have to go to a website and either put in a serial number or something or and then have them mail you one, which just sounds like a colossal amount of money for such a tiny little thing, because the shipping will be much more expensive than the actual adapter itself. Or unless they could work out something where you could get one from like a retailer like GameStop or target or whatever but i don't really see that as being a possibility either so i mean seems like it probably is going to be up to something that they mail to you if it's not in the box yeah i'll be curious to see about this unless i just totally missed it the one thing i'm excited about though for people is that they'd confirm that whether via lan or wi-fi you can actually just send stuff you already have so not only your debt your data and your saves but the actual games as far as i understand 
can be transferred from one to the other without having to grab them back off of the Internet, which I think for people with data caps and obviously slow speeds and PSN is notorious for its slow speed, which Sony has not really addressed yet with PS5. Did you guys interpret it like that as well, Chris? Did you interpret it like that, too, that on the blog post? That's how I interpreted it, is that you can just send whatever's on your console to the to the other console without having to drag things off the PSN, which I'm sure is going to be make a lot of people happy. It doesn't really matter to me, but yeah, I I think they would have been more clear about it if that was what their intention was to to showcase that that would be possible. But I, I do think that there's it, it could be that way, but I, I don't know if necessarily that's what they were saying. All, all I got really from that was that like, oh, you can transfer saves and, you know, th- that's really all it felt like to me. Because I don't know how I don't know how you would really grab it off the cloud without it also dragging into the PSN. You know what I mean? I think it's ostensibly the same thing. Yeah, I guess maybe I'm wrong. How did you interpret that, Dustin? You understand things better than I do with video games. Yeah, this actually isn't a new feature for PlayStation 5, because right now, if you were to get a second PS4, you can use a LAN cable to transfer everything from one system to another. So Mm, they've mm. just adapted it to work from PS4 to PS5. Gotcha. All right. Well, that makes a lot more sense then. I've never done that. I have, I've owned four or five PS4s, but I've always, I've always been thrilled when I get a new PS4 of of starting fresh, not with my PSN name, obviously, but just like not having anything on that console. That's exciting to me. I don't want to like bring all my shit. I did that once with the PS4 pro because I got, I had one when it came out, but then I, I I decided to splurge a little bit and get the Spider-Man one, and I gifted, I gifted my other one to one of my roommates, uh, to Sweeney, and then I just like transferred everything through a through a LAN cable, and it took it took a while, but uh, it works, so it's good to know that 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 same method will work. Interesting. Well. I don't know. It's a, it's the same thing with phones. Like when I not that I get new phones very often, but every few years when I get a new iPhone and I go to the Apple store or whatever, and they're like, all right, you want to transfer all your stuff over? And I'm like, I just want my address book, like my phone numbers. That's it. Like, I want to just start fresh. Otherwise, yeah, no, I just don't I, want I'm, any I'm of this, this shit. Yeah, I, because then you're just you got all this baggage. Like I even go through my numbers sometimes and delete them because I'm like, I haven't talked to this person. I don't even know who the fuck this is. You know, th- this this number that's been in five iPhones. So you got to purge everyone. Don't take this digital data with you in this baggage with you. Be braver than that. Be better than that. Come I on. Agree. Idiots. <laughs> All right. Number three. Oh, wait, wait, hold oh. on, Colin. There's an important thing here. We missed what the boost mode. This oh, is going to be sorry. This is going to be talk huge. More about that. Sorry, I, I didn't want to interrupt, but I, I had to talk about it real quick. No, cause... don't worry about it, Dustin. This is you're just a guest on this show. You interrupt all you want, though. Oh, I'm, OK, cool. Yeah, I'll, cool. I'll keep that for future future reference. Yeah, but please. this boost mode. So did you see the tweet from Sucker Punch about updating Ghost of Tsushima for this boost mode? No, I didn't tell me about it. So basically with this boost mode, if you have a PS4 game that has an unlocked frame rate, it can take advantage of the new hardware and boost the frame rate of old games. So this is something we've already seen with PS4 Pro, but this seems like it's going to be much more substantial and potentially transformative of your old games that do have unlocked frame rates to the point where if Sucker Punch is going and basically just unlocking the frame rate so it can boost up to 60 and potentially go from what they said up to 60 FPS, this could be a a game changer for PS4 games on PS5. And we've already kind of saw this with 
Xbox Series X, what we've seen the past couple of weeks with their backwards compatibility type boost. So uh, it's a really exciting thing if it's done right. So do you want to interrupt about anything else? No, I just know that if we didn't talk about that, you'd get a comment. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Dustin. I appreciate that. When you edit the show, by the way, make yourself sound as good as possible and make Chris and I sound as bad as possible. Sure. Yeah. Um, And then slowly (laughs) you can just take over the show and I'll go live in the woods somewhere. All right. Number three for real now. Spider-Man Miles Morales, perhaps the most anticipated PlayStation exclusive game ready for PS5's launch on November 12th, has gone gold. This, of course, means the core game is finished and is entering certification as the team at Insomniac polishes things up over the coming weeks. Miles Morales is a standalone spinoff of one of PS4's most popular exclusive games, 2018 Spider-Man, which is also coming to PS5 at launch for those who jump through some pre-order or purchasing hoops. News of the game's completion comes on the back of an extensive Game Informer feature about the game, which revealed new details about it and its protagonist. Perhaps most interesting is the confirmation of the PS5's edition's two modes, performance and fidelity. Performance mode gives players 4K resolution at 60 frames, while fidelity mode keeps the 4K resolution and bumps the game down to 30 frames to allow for ray tracing and some other effects. Sony owned Insomniac Games was founded in the early 90s, but only purchased by Sony last year and is also working on the PlayStation 5 exclusive game. Ratchet and Clank are Rift Apart, which we still don't know the date for, but I imagine Q1 will be the nice time for that. Chris, I know it's a stupid question, but what mode will you be playing in? 60 frames. Yeah. Always. I'm actually kind of surprised by this, actually, because like it is kind of depressing that ray tracing is seemingly only possible for... 30 frame per second games that seems like a weird thing that i kind of got out of this where it's like oh that's that doesn't i I mean i guess i guess 30 frames isn't bad but it's just so jarring compared to how fresh 60 fps actually is and i think it's just more noticeable now than it used to be where it's like your game's just gonna look choppy at 30 like in comparison to everything else and the idea that this very next gen feature is just kind of locked between this last gen frame rate is kind of it's a little disappointing. I would have preferred, you know, 1440p at 60 with mm. ray tracing than just I, I really think 4K is just like really overrated as a as a resolution for video games. I, I really don't think people give a shit uh, at all about it. It'll be interesting to see because I'm sure they'll keep track of this data. All the developers and publishers will but like who uses what and maybe they'll be able to kind of like figure out what you're saying like well people want this but they they're the 4k is not really being utilized we can bump it down to something more reasonable and give everyone the best of all worlds i do wonder if that is something that is possible and i also think about and we always bring up rise son of rome the the xbox one launch game that was running at 900p which is like incredible in 2013 it was just awful from that perspective and I assume that maybe this could also be improved through just familiarity with the the console and the development tools so that we can get the best of both worlds as well. But Dustin, you're a little bit more keen on this stuff than I am. I'm curious if you're looking at performance or fidelity for Miles Morales. And also, if you think that what I'm saying is reasonable, that maybe they can just achieve what Chris is saying, this 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 beautiful parity between frame rate and the ray tracing and all of the rest by just kind of becoming more familiar with the machine, or is it just not strong enough to do it? I think that it's definitely possible that we can see 
both, especially it's so early on and not just for PS5, but ray tracing in general. It'll be interesting to see how things move forward, whether as far as ray tracing and the different ways that they implement it into the game. And I mean, there's also options, too, that like specifically in the PC space right now, we're seeing uh, features like DLSS for uh, PC, which basically uses AI to take like a, a 1080p image and then upres it to 4K. And so it could be possible that down the line we see PlayStation implement better upresing techniques where you could play a game at 4K with ray tracing. And depending on the quality of the AI, you wouldn't even notice. As far as this game, I honestly don't know whether I'll play it at the 4K or the 60 FPS just because or I guess it would be the ray tracing just because I think that Insomniac did such a nice job making their, you know, the 30 FPS version of the game or at least last gen feel so good that it won't necessarily be as big of a difference as far as the way the game feels to play. But I'll probably tinker around between the two of them. Yeah, I I do wonder if it might have something to do with the nature of the game, too. Is that possible? I mean, like if you're playing more of an uncharted game, would ray tracing just be less intensive? I think ray tracing in general is just very intensive. But that's kind of what I'm saying is like it is super intensive. But because ray tracing as as a as a technique makes games look so much better by default of its implementation, you don't really need something to be full-fledged 4k for the game to look next you could have you could conceivably have a game come out on playstation 5 uh at like not even not even 1440 you could probably have a, a game come out on ps5 that's 1080 with ray tracing and have it look better than some games that are in 4k because ray tracing mm. does that much heavy lifting for how a game looks like it's it's insane <laughs> And it's why I just don't understand like the the reasoning behind eyeballing 4K as like this thing that you absolutely need when I really think the majority of people would benefit from like some middle mode at 1440, 60 with ray tracing. You know, like I just oh. think that that's probably the, the option that most people would choose if they could. I wonder how many people even have 4K TVs. Not a lot. And uh, a lot of people have them set up wrong and they don't have the right HDMI. So like they actually don't even really... <laughs> They're not even really getting 4K picture on their 4K TVs. Yeah, we'll have to see how this all pans out. I'm I'm really interested in your solution, Chris, about this middle ground. And maybe hopefully I, I doubt it would come from first party, but maybe some third party will release who's playing what and what the data looks like, because they might eventually need to justify whatever they're doing in the future by showing that data when, you know, like when they removed Linux from PS3. And so Sony had to say, like, no one uses Linux. So <laughs> yeah. why are you mad? Did you ever play like the Tomb Raider games? Because they have they have the uh, the the performance uh, versus the you know the 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 graphics modes, right? And yeah, I have. Yeah. Did you? Did you well, I know you played them, but did you did you play did you play in performance or or for graphics? I played for graphics. I genuinely yeah. I couldn't do it without getting sick. I'm really sensitive to frame rate, I guess. Yeah, you are. But Sp was Spider Man Spider Man on PS4 is 30, right? It is. It's super smooth. Yeah. Like De Destiny is also f like 30. And like I played it a ton because it's like a smooth 30. 30 frames is really only like a big deal when it's not stable, which is why like it's not like the biggest deal. But if you have an option between 60 and 30, it's like really clear that 60 looks better and it's kind of hard to go back uh, because it just looks choppy in comparison, even when it is like super steady. But if you're like 
you know, starting your day fresh and you're just playing nothing but 30 and it's like a consistent 30 and it never drops down to 25 or, or 22 or even like 28. It's just consistent 30. It's a fine experience, but yeah, who, I don't know. What do I know? I just, uh, I really think 1440 is really that magic resolution where it just looks great. Dustin, do you agree with that about the middle ground? Would you are you do you care about 4K resolution or are you cool with 1440 and 60? I think 1440 is fantastic. I'm totally with Chris because that's how for a long time in my PC before I got my new graphics card, I was running everything at 1440p and my my monitors are 1440p too. And like I've I've looked at games specifically on PC since you can switch it around easily on my 4K TV and had them both play it. 1440p and 4k and the difference is noticeable but it's nowhere near the difference between 1080p and 1440p so it is definitely like this happy medium of like really crisp visuals and it's not going to completely murder the cpu and gpu well we'll keep an eye on all of this as we get closer to launch and and then we'll see we'll obviously hear from you guys when we start playing these games what mode you're gonna play in and mess around with so Spider-Man Miles Morales, November 12th, also on PS4, if you play it there as well. Number four, PlayStation 4's next big firmware update is now live. Entitled Update 8.00, the new firmware is mandatory, and you won't be able to use PlayStation Network without it. According to a comprehensive post on the official PlayStation blog, this firmware brings with it substantial updates to messaging and parties with UI tweaks and expanded support. There are also a ton of new free avatars if you're looking for a change all microphones can now be muted in the quick menu. Parental controls have been streamlined. Two-step authentication has been reinforced. And the remote play apps on mobile and PC have been updated too to prepare for PlayStation 5's own remote play capabilities. As we noted weeks ago, this firmware update does bring with it a subtraction, however. You can't create events on PS4 anymore, nor can you create private communities, though existing communities will remain. As reported by website Push Square, Sony has also begun to collapse its various company-wide accounts into one, using your PSN ID as the possible nexus of all of them. You can now sync your Sony Mobile, Sony Electronics, and perhaps most pivotally, Sony Rewards accounts with your PSN account. Now, there's one big part of this, boys, that's very, very dramatic and getting a lot of people upset, is that apparently Sony can now activate, and on a player-by-player basis, people can now record your voice chat natively and send it to Sony for moderation. And this has caused some sort of consternation that caused some sort of update on the PlayStation blog post. But the update just says this, and it's from Sid Schumann again. It says, quote, following this update, users are seeing a notification about party safety and that voice chats in parties may be recorded. Voice chat recording for moderation is a feature that will be available on PS5 when it launches and will enable users to record their voice chats on PS5 and submit them for moderation review. The pop-up you're seeing on PS4 right now is to let you know that when you participate in a chat with a PS5 user post-launch, they may submit those recordings from their PS5 console to SIE. Chris, what do you think of that? Uh, I I don't really like that. <laughs> I think it's a little weird, uh, specifically because it's party chat. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if it was in-game or whatever, and like, you know, these companies wanted to whatever monitor something that they monitor text chats anyway so it's like that's fine but like in a party where like you're just presumably with your friends seems weird like are are people reporting their friends 
<laughs> I guess and, and, I guess and they he, now he, are. It's weird. <laughs> anyway. But also, like, I don't know. It's, it just seems like this is, like, ripe for abuse. Like, you could, you could theoretically, you know, harass somebody in-game, right? And then, like, invite them to a party, right? Start recording, and then just, you know, kind of frame them. Basically, and then you could you could potentially like this is actually like a real thing that I feel like y- people would do. Like this doesn't strike me as something that's like really out of the realm of possibility. People are assholes for no reason, especially on uh, in online video games. So like I, well, I don't know about this recording shit. It's it's really weird. Well, I feel like with voice chat, I feel like voice chat is already di- like casual voice chat is already dying. If not pretty much dead. And I, I know a lot of multiplayer users have said that in the past. A lot of muted mics now, unless you're in party. And so it seems like this will just have the effect of making people talk even less, even if they're in a party, because I don't want to. It reminds me of like when you call your bank or something and they're like, your call might be recorded or monitored or whatever. And it's like, all right, I guess I have to do that. But it just feels like another way for people to opt out. And I, I definitely I don't party chat now, but I'm definitely not going to party chat after that, because I, I to your point, I just don't want people recording me without my without my knowledge. Just telling me that it's possible is not really good enough. Dustin, do you have any concerns about about this? I, I just find it strange. And when I saw that they updated the the blog post, I was like, oh, they're going to clarify that it's not that big of a deal. But they basically just said exactly what it is and confirmed that they're just going to let people tattletale on each other. It's a little strange. I want to know what Sony's intention is as far as so. If they get a recording and they say, hey, this person did this or said X, Y, Z, like what are the qualifications that they're going to put out on what you can and can't do or say in a PlayStation party chat that will get you banned? It just sounds like they're opening a can of worms that really shouldn't be opened. Like it just nothing about this sounds good to me. Like I'm all for moderating online like whether it making sure that people in games aren't you know typing out racial slurs whether it's in the the text chat or whatever but and you know eliminating players that are being toxic team killing stuff like that but when you starting to getting into the moderation of private playstation group like parties that just doesn't sound like something that is a good idea. Yeah. I don't know. Like, are they getting like pressure from governments to do this or what? I just see to the point. I think that it's, it just seems like something you wouldn't do until you were forced to do it. Why would you otherwise? And I'm wondering, is it going to be some sort of like, um, AI that is listening to these things and just scrubbing for like terrible words, or is it going to be like some people in a fucking call center listening to all this stuff? It's just, it does seem like a lot. And I do like what Chris said. I think you're right too, Chris, that, if developers wanted to do this on a game by game basis or if you're in like a lobby or like with strangers, that almost seems more reasonable to expect that that would be recorded and shared as opposed to, again, like your friends. This is going to cause so much conflict. I can't wait to see how, how much conflict this causes with people. <laughs> yeah, because people awesome. like YouTube videos of like people like just trolling on on like in like Call of Duty all the time, like in the in game. So like that stuff, people people have been aware of like themselves being recorded in, in games like that for a while. So I don't know. It's just it's freaking wild. There it is. Number five. Some sad news. Japanese developer level five may be falling on hard times, having reportedly all but abandoned its North American operations, according to GamesIndustry.biz. The news reported by the site is a bit latent, but has never otherwise been reported. 
Both Level 5 International America and so-called Level 5 Abbey actually started laying people off in mid-2019, and some of its leadership also began to resign or be removed around this time. Distressingly, the website reports in part, quote, It's unclear what the future of Level 5 releases in North America will be. One source suggested that that there were currently no concrete plans for any more Level 5 games to be released outside of Japan, end quote. Level 5, founded in the late 90s and employing hundreds of people, is well known in old school PlayStation circles for its PlayStation 2 centric series Dark Cloud, which began in 2001 in the West. The studio also made beloved PS2 RPG Rogue Galaxy, the PSP strategy RPG Jean Dark, and perhaps most notably, it gave us Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch on PS3. It also gave us White Knight Chronicles. Outside of the PlayStation ecosystem, it developed the Inazuma 11 RPG sports series, the Professor Layton puzzle games, the Yokai Watch handheld series, and more. It more recently went on uh, went hard into iOS and Android with largely poor showings, and the studio has delayed some of its upcoming core gamer products as well. Zach Forney wrote into us on Patreon and said, any reaction to the Level 5 news? It's crazy that they closed in North America the week after you said Sony shouldn't purchase them. And I, I feel like Level 5 would make sense in the Sony family. I just don't feel like Sony gets much value out of them because they already own the IP that were developed for them anyway. So... Level 5 becoming much more of a phone-centric developer I don't think really fits with Sony anymore, even though I love Level 5 going all the way back to my high school years. So I'm really sad to see this, especially with Nino Kuni being one of PS3's best games. I know, Dustin, you're a role-playing game fan like I am and have some connection to Level 5. What did you think of this uh, unfortunate news? We don't really know what the status of the company is now, even in Japan with their delays. I actually have a theory about this because I was reading up on it. And obviously closing studios and, you know, not being present in all the different continents is a bad thing for level five. But it doesn't concern me as far as getting level five games in the U.S., which I thought that that quote was weird because I saw that also where it said that there were currently no concrete plans for more level five games to be released outside of Japan. And so I was looking around at their releases and A lot of them recently, they've self-published, but the major games that we've played, like Nino Kuni, have been published by Bandai Namco in the U.S. So I'm wondering if this is just a move that as far as publishing game, they will no longer be publishing games in the U.S., but they may be working with a third party publisher to bring games over here instead in the future. Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, it could be a possibility. And and I think you're right, too, that they have been in the self-publishing space, but they have had notable publishers, whether it's Nintendo or Sony kind of financing them, like you said, Bandai Namco with Nino Cooney and others. So it really seems to be only the games that they're trying to publish on their own that seem to be delayed or failing in Japan, especially on the iOS and Android platforms. They can find investment and there is a third Nino Cooney game in development, so we don't really know when any of this means. I know that some people are distressed. They want Dark Cloud to come back and all of this. This has been something that people have been talking about forever, especially because Sony published Dark Cloud and Dark Cloud 2 on PS4, which was kind of random you know, with trophies and all of that. So people were anticipating maybe they were planning something, but I don't think that they are. But I have a lot of love for, for level five. I love the latent games. I love Nino Kuni. I thought Dark Cloud were the Dark Cloud games were some of the first really great PS2 games back in the day. So A lot of love to them and we'll see how they all survive. But I think you're right. I think it's maybe catastrophizing what doesn't need to be catastrophized. Why spend money and be in a place when you don't really need to be there and you can and you can have publishers acting on your behalf? It doesn't really make any sense. So I think we need a little more information to work on 
before we get upset. Yeah, but we'll keep level five in our thoughts nonetheless. Chris, do you have any thoughts? No, I, I don't. I know I haven't really played a lot of uh, level five. We we talked about Layton kind of recently, but uh, I didn't play Nino Kuni, so like I had very little knowledge of this of this studio. But I, I could see why people are like were like a little off put by it. You know? Yeah, it's sad. I mean, they've been around for a long time, and they've they make. I mean. I'm not sure anyone liked White Knight Chronicles or anything like that, but generally speaking, they really make pretty strong games. And yeah, we were talking about Layton recently and how I think Professor Layton is just such a, a smooth, wonderful series. I loved that game, those games on Nintendo DS, especially so. Um, and obviously, Nino Kuni was just so staggering. I never played the Inazuma 11 games, but they're pretty unique because they fuse, I think, soccer with role playing games, which is cool. So we'll keep an eye on those guys. And there's a there's actually happier news on the other side here. Number six, Rockstar Games, a subsidiary of Take Two, has made a studio purchase, adding to its list of internally controlled developers. The website The Gamer discovered British business filings dated October 1st of this year, indicating that Rockstar has acquired Ruffian Games, the Scottish team most notably behind the 2010 Xbox 360 exclusive Crackdown 2. The studio also worked in a support capacity on several Kinect related games, Halo Master Chief Collection and Crackdown 3, remaining largely in Microsoft's second party orbit. However, last year, after failed ventures with both Square Enix and Paradox, the team announced it was working with Rockstar on what remains unclear. But it's now a Rockstar team and will be called Rockstar Dundee moving forward in Rockstar's tradition of naming its studios after the location in which they are located this I thought was weird because I had to go back and read about Ruffian because I, I could have sworn that they canceled a couple of games. I didn't even know that they really existed anymore. And I wonder what Rockstar, why Rockstar is so interested in them. It's a little strange. This is more in your ecosystem or your old ecosystem, though, Chris. What do you think about Ruffian going with Rockstar? I mean, I think it's this must be like an, an affordability thing, right? Like this must be like this is probably a cheap studio to run probably wasn't expensive to buy i think because otherwise i really i really don't know like i i had a hilarious great old time with crackdown 2 when it came out it was like that's a fun stupid game but like I, i've definitely seen their splash screens and like uh the the mcc and like other things i, re- I remember seeing them in crackdown 3 and i, I just I, I don't know what they see maybe it's the support studio role that they're looking after because as far as i know you know they need a lot of support (laughs) because the games they make take you know nine or so years to make maybe maybe it was a support thing but like i I really that because that's the only thing that i could see making sense it's a cheap affordable easy to run support studio that uh, they could take advantage of without you know, worrying about, you know, oh, man, we have to fund a team in New York again or L.A. again or Austin or any of these other expensive locations. Yeah, it seems unusual, but I think you're right. It, it could be something that just makes financial sense. They are in proximity to kind of HQ there by being in Scotland. And first of all, there's just not a, a vibrant Scottish development scene. So it, it is cool that they're they're living on with such a big name and a big umbrella over them. But uh, yeah, I thought it was weird as well. And my, my assumption is the same that maybe they're bringing these guys in just to kind of help support GTA online or Red Dead online so they can go move on to something else. I was reading that this team is only a couple of dozen people now. So so they definitely downsized from their more triple A days and their A days. Uh, Dustin, do you have any thoughts about this acquisition, what it might mean? 
No, the thing that I was thinking is what you were saying is that hopefully this is a team that can come in and start to take on some of the work for GTA Online. And maybe that's the intention is that they can kind of offload a lot of that work onto a new team and start to build up a team specifically for that so that they can focus on new projects. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on that. And uh, they did release a press release just confirming the news. So it is real, even though it was reported by a website that just found business filing. So obscure websites of the world keeps keep scouring the trademark offices and all of that. And we'll get more news as as uh, we see fit here. But congratulations to those guys for selling out. Made a lot of money, I'm sure. Number seven. A handful of games are getting some big updates to keep their respective player bases engaged. For starters, the suddenly mega popular free to play RPG Genshin Impact, which has reportedly made $100 million in its first two weeks, has already revealed three new updates slated for the next six months. On November 11th, version 1.1 will drop, bringing new events and characters. On December 23rd, version 1.2 will drop, introducing an entirely an entirely new area to explore, along with characters and story missions. And then... In February of 2021, version 1.3 will launch, though details on it are far more vague. Gearbox's popular FPS Borderlands 3 is also getting a second season pass, which will come packing two new add-ons, Designer's Cut and Director's Cut. In Designer's Cut, launching on November 10th, each Vault Hunter will get a new skill tree, as well as a game mode called Arms Race. Gearbox hasn't yet detailed what Director's Cut will entail or when it will launch. Meanwhile, Bungie is talking more about its migration of Destiny 2 to PlayStation 5 with an optimized version not launching until PS5 hits the market on December 8th. We already know that upgrading to the next gen versions will be free, but Bungie has also confirmed that the PS5 iteration of Destiny 2 will support 4K resolution, 60 frames, a field of view slider, much better load times, and of course, cross gen play. Good shit. And finally, in a conversation with Kotaku, a website which observed that Crystal Dynamics Avengers games seems to have fallen off a cliff rather quickly. The developer promised tons of new content to re-engage players in the weeks and months to come. All right. So, Chris, I heard you say good shit for Destiny 2. Talk to me a little bit about what this news means, means well, to you. I think 4K and 60 frames and better load times were like and, and cross-gen play were all kind of expected. But the big thing, in my opinion, for any console version of a first person shooter is the FOV slider. That that's huge. There's very few FPSs that do that. I know. I know. I think Bioshock did it, but obviously Bioshock isn't like a, you know, a fast-paced competitive game. So like your FOV doesn't really matter. But the only other game on console that I can think that does this is maybe. I think. I think. Uh, Didn't Titanfall do it? Titanfall, Titanfall two. Titanfall two did it, and it's it's one of the reasons why I love that game. It's like wow, they they can do this. That's that's great. But as far as I know, I don't I don't think uh, a lot of the Call of Duties did it. I don't think I think maybe Battlefield did it a little bit, but it's it's nice to see this presumably being a more common feature in games on console moving forward, because I think it really is one of the more transformative and simple features that exist that often get f- just completely forgotten about once the once the console port comes into play. It really it really changes the inertia and the speed of any game that you're playing. It's like it, it it's wildly important. So I'm I'm really happy about that. I will. I'll also say I was totally right about Avengers. Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, I, shout out to Kotaku for you know credit where credit's due. They they got their their president, uh, Crystal Dynamics president, to actually write them a letter about what they're doing because apparently the player base is falling below 2,000 concurrence on Steam, which is horrible. 
yeah. for a game of that size. So you are right about that. And we will see what comes of it. Dustin, I wanted to throw it over to you for Genshin Impact. I know you're not playing it, but uh, this is more in your field. Uh, I, first of all, I was surprised. Maybe not so. I mean, this game is really a huge hit. $100 million on a free-to-play game on console in two weeks and already three updates slated between now and February of 2021. I was looking at my player list, my friends list the other night, and there was like, I have 2,000 friends and maybe a few hundred people on at any given time, but there must have been like 25 people playing Genshin Impact. I'm really surprised by the the success of this game. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's interesting how if you make a, a good game that offers a lot that at the end of it, people might be willing to spend some money since they're feeling good about the game and not like it's ripping them off. So it's it's cool to see that actually happen in real time. And it's ironic. Just it's just a weird game for that to happen to. It's just this, you know, strange Chinese developed Breath of the Wild, like on the on the surface, it just looks like a Breath of the Wild clone. So um, obviously it's a lot more than that. But I hope that with Genshin Impact, we see hopefully a, a tide shift in free to play games that are like, hmm, maybe we should focus on making a really fun game and be more generous and make people feel positive instead of, you know, like like we're trying to rip them off and maybe the money will come thereafter. Yeah, very well said. I, I think that they're doing it the right way. Again, not thrilled that because this is a Chinese game that we're getting some censorship issue, issues with Genshin Impact, but it doesn't seem to matter to the customer. And so we'll continue to watch this and I'm curious about it. I have too many other games to play, but it really does look so irresistibly like Tales that I don't know that I'm actually going to be able to stay away from it forever. But I think maybe I need a little more content and some more trophies wouldn't hurt either, by the way. (laughs) All right. Oh, and uh, Dustin, do you have any thoughts about before we move on about Avengers and the kind of dwindling player base and Kotaku's eagle eyed reporting about what they're going to do to get people back involved in this? Chris uh, did call this for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not totally surprised i've had a weird relationship with this game and that all of the my friends that i do play online with bought it and normally i would feel like i was missing out but i just had this gut feeling like this is gonna pass in a few weeks and it seems like it has i mean i don't know i feel like the game isn't interesting not interesting but i don't think it's hooked people enough that the new content will turn things around but who knows? The other thing I did want to say for for Chris, you were talking about the field of view slider. Apparently, the new Call of Duty will have a field a field of view slider on all platforms. So that's good. Hope hopefully that I mean whether or not people are excited about that game. Hopefully, it just starts to more standardize that feature across all console FPS games. No, I mean I I hope so. I th- I think I think it's a super integral feature, and it's like one of the main reasons FPS feel so good like i mean i know there's like mouse and keyboard purists out there i don't, I don't necessarily uh like mouse and keyboard controls for really anything that's outside of strategy but i really do think like the the fov slider is like the main reason why playing on pc is so good you just have such so much control over how fast the experience feels that way and right. uh just having that on console in a in a in a in a format that seems like it's going to be happening more consistently is 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 really really good and uh i'm just i'm thankful for it it took it took way too long to get here yeah uh but whatever i'll take what i can get i'm happy you're happy yeah my my son 
<laughs> All right. Thank you, Dad. Uh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. The moment was right. Now we're getting into the spirit of things. All right. A quick one, a weird one, though. Number eight, considering just about everything seems to be getting option for a TV series or movie recently, it should come as no surprise that Warhorse Studios surprisingly popular RPG Kingdom Come Deliverance will be receiving a live action adaptation. The project is being pursued by wild, cheap content, according to website Variety, which was founded by ex-Netflix executive Eric Barmack. You'll recall that Barmack and his company are also the production force behind the recently revealed live action Yakuza project. Warhorse's game has sold more than three million units and strives to plan itself into some sort of historical realism by taking place in the Holy Roman Empire in the early 1400s. Warhorse Studios, which is located in the Czech Republic and which was purchased by Coke Media subsidiary Deep Silver in 2019 for an undisclosed sum, released their game in 2018. They've yet to announce their new project. I don't know about this one. I mean, this seems to make sense because it's it's totally grounded in reality, but. I don't know. I feel like this is people are going to get Witcher fatigue if people keep thinking that this is going to fly on every streaming apparatus. Uh, Dustin, can you get behind Kingdom Come Deliverance on, let's say, Amazon Prime as an example? So Kingdom Come completely came and went for me. I did not play it at all, but I do find it interesting that it's the same studio or production company behind that Yakuza project just because. I don't know. It seems like this is might just be is it I guess it's not vaporware. It's like a vapor it's film. Like, it's like a bloatware kind of, but for yeah, but for live action series. Yeah. So I, I would say I I would be surprised if it comes out, first of all. And second, if it does, I am skeptical of the quality. Yeah. Warhorse. I mean, Warhorse is interesting. So it's run by some of the guys that used to run 2K check, the guys that did Mafia and I don't know if people recall, like Kingdom Come Deliverance was a pretty politically charged game because it was being attacked for not having like black people in it and stuff like that. Yeah, it takes place in 1403 in in like Hungary or something like that. So it would make sense that there would be no people of color up there. But nonetheless, I think they probably sold twice as well as they would have because of that. And they obviously sold their studio to Deep Silver. I assume they're making a sequel. I actually bought this game a couple of years ago, I haven't played it at all yet. I wanted to buy it because I really love the idea of there being a almost Skyrim type game, but it's it's real, you know, like there. I don't think there's any magic or anything in it. It's just supposed to be like kind of a real game. And I was like, that sounds like an interesting idea. I don't know if I'm going to be into it or not, but you guys are right. I don't think this will anything will come of it. Warhorse probably made a nice little sum of money just optioning it and then we'll see what happens. But I think that when you see something like The Witcher, it, it makes sense that people are just going to try to replicate it and look for any IP that might be similar, even though the only similarity between Kingdom Come and The Witcher is just that they're both from Eastern Europe, basically. Yeah, so. yeah basically. There, there seems to be a lot of video game like series or, or like uh, movies and the, like they, they just announced like a friggin Monster Hunter movie <laughs> yeah. out of nowhere. And I was like, what? And it's just the U.S. military gets sucked into the monster hunter world. It's like actually the real. And Mila Jovovich is in it, of course, because she's just, I don't know. We're, we're losing. We're really going off the rails. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I know a lot of people had a problem with that monster hunter trailer, too. I would. I mean, it, I, I don't know anything about monster hunter. I know what it's, its aesthetic is, though, and I, I didn't see it there. It seems to, and I feel like this is a problem with a lot of video game ad- adapted things. Sonic also did this where, like, something can't just be about the video game. It needs to be, like, 
the real world, but in the video game. You know, it's like it's not just Sonic in Green Hill Zone, like fighting Dr. Robotnik. It's Sonic meets like an attorney or something and they have to road trip, you know, or like, uh, yeah, Monster Hunter's cool and it's got all this lore. But like, what if it was just like, what if a, I don't know, like a platoon of American soldiers got warped into the it's just it every every video game adaptation that is being made it feels like just has this weird element of like oh well it needs to be like a fish out of water thing right and it's just like why (laughs) just make a thing yeah it's a little i don't know you know how i feel about this at this point i think the audience does too i just don't think games need to be tv shows or movies i think that it's okay for everything to be their own thing yeah i agree and and draw inspiration from different kind of stuff so Kingdom Come Deliverance, it's cool that, that that could be a game, but we have the the uh, the TV show of Kingdom Come Deliverance. It's called History, uh, so we can just read a book about what happened in the Holy Roman Empire, but you can say that about a lot of things, so that's a bad argument. Anyway, number nine is just a wrap-up. Website Gamatsu reports FMV game Death Come True is coming to PS4 on November 12th. Stealth game Quantum Replica is coming to PS4 in 2021, and JRPG Atelier Ryza 2 Lost Legends and the Secret Fairy, which I know Chris is uh, amped up about, oh, totally, comes to PS4 yeah. on January 26, 2021. The website also reports Metroidvania, Romanceavania, Bachelor's Curse <laughs> is coming to PS4 and PS5 in 2021. I'm totally down with that. And Tactical RPG King Arthur Knight's Tale is coming to PS5 in 2021. Likewise, the website reported some delays too. The upcoming Digimon game, Digimon Survive, JRPG Chris Tales, and spooky game Song of Horror all on PS4 have been delayed out of 2020 and into 2021. Website IGN reports 2D anime fighting game Phantom Breaker Omnia is coming to PS4 in 2021, and that a new Doctor Who game called Doctor Who The Edge of Reality is coming to PS4 and PS5 in 2021. Japanese developer slash publisher um, Arc System Works revealed its upcoming fighting game Guilty Gear Strive will be coming to both PS4 and PS5 on April 9th, 2021. Website Push Square confirms roller coaster centric game Planet Coaster will be on PS5 at launch on November 12th with the game coming to PS4 two days prior. You can upgrade from one to the other for free. Push Square also reports MMORPG Final Fantasy 14 will automatically default to PS4 Pro level settings for those playing it via backwards compatibility on PlayStation 5. Music dev Harmonix confirmed that Rock Band 4 and all of its DLC will work, with, will work with PlayStation 5 with complete instrument backwards compatibility. The official PlayStation blog reports that the newest Worm, Worms game, Worms Rumble, is slated for both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 on December 1st with an open beta, in quotes, running from November 6th through 8th on PS4. And finally, yet another ratings leak of the still unannounced Mass Effect trilogy, Mass Effect Legendary Edition has occurred, this time in South Korea. EA still hasn't commented. I don't know what the fuck they're waiting for at this point. Yeah. All right, boys. It's time to get into the new game releases. There are a lot of them this week, and tradition dictates that Chris will go first. Dustin, you'll go second. I'll go third, and then we'll go in sort of a rotation like that. So, Chris, I leave it to you. Wow, what an infuriatingly long list. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. This is just oh the way my. it is. So, oh, man. So fades Ooh. the vibrance Take of my breath. contentness. <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, Arcade Archives, Arabian, comes to PS4. Arabian, in all caps, is an action game released by Sunsoft in 1983, set in ancient Persia. A young Arabian boy... 
<laughs> Steve's really messed up. <laughs> Young Arabian boy embarks on a journey to rescue a captured princess on ships in caves in palaces. Uh, make full use of various actions to collect the magic vases or vases, whatever the hell you yeah. say. Hmm. Ben 10 Power Trip comes to PS4. Ben Tennyson. Is that actually his name? <laughs> it is. It is. Good Lord. And his family are all set for a relaxing European vacation until evil Hex awakens four mysterious crystals and summons monstrous visitors from the void. Now it's up to you to help Ben stop the master magician's Hex Tremley's fiendish plans. So put on the Omnitrix and transform into Ben 10's incredible aliens as you adventure and battle through an action-packed 3D world. So I, 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 I just want to point. There's a, there. It was a pun there. It was. I think it was extremely. Extra. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck I was reading with that. Oh one. no, I don't blame you. It's, it's really, <laughs> it's really stupid. But, but nonetheless, nevertheless. Wow. Beyond Enemy Lines Two comes to PS4. Take the role of a special agent deployed deep beyond enemy lines, where terrain and conditions are barbaric. You will see. You will seek, locate, and destroy the enemy while causing havoc and confusion. Emerge a hardcore tactical experience in vast, nonlinear missions where skill and tactical decisions matter. Emerge a hardcore tactical experience. All right, whatever, dude. Brotherhood United comes to PS4. When a friend is captured, it's up to the rest of the Brotherhood to pick uh, pick up their guns and take down the enemy army. In this pix- uh, pixelated action platformer, you'll run, jump, shoot, and dodge roll your way through the opposition to bring back uh, to bring your buddy back. Customize your look with different options for hair, glasses, clothing, helmets, and skin tone to look your best. While blowing stuff up, use all the guns and grenades at your disposal and make sure that no partner gets left behind. Cake Bash comes to PS4, a frantic four-player party game where adorable drawn-to-life cakes beat the crumbs out of each other. Uh, pick your favorite cake and battle in a variety of lifelike arenas with unique goals. Cover yourself in sweeties or hurl fruit into a pie. There's plenty for everyone. To cool down, try an assortment of minigame treats, roast perfect marshmallows, pipe the finest frosting, or... Be the last flan standing in fork knife. Uh, guide your cakes through the bakery as they dress to impress the customer and get tasty. Buy delicious toppings in a series of games to be the chosen one. Fork knife. <laughs> uh, I love it. Wow. Did we lose uh, Chris? I No, I just oh. uh, I'm still recovering from that. <laughs> the last fl- <laughs> the last flan standing Christ <laughs> is it me now yeah is it right? my turn oh okay I think you're right sorry it's wait, my, it's am, I, my wait am I wrong no you're right I'm just I'm scared <laughs> alright <laughs> Cloudpunk comes to PS4 a neon noir story in a rain drenched cyberpunk metropolis it's your first night on the job working for the Cloudpunk delivery service two rules don't miss a delivery and don't ask what's in the package. Your name is Rainia. This is your first night working for Cloudpunk, the semi-legal delivery company based in the sprawling city of Nivellus. You go everywhere from the marrow below to the spires that pierce the gray clouds high above before scraping the edge of the troposphere. No delivery job is too dangerous and no one is faster than a Cloudpunk driver. 
Cook, Serve, Delicious 3 comes to PS4, set in the radically changed war-torn America of 2042. Oh, geez, that doesn't give us that much time, actually. Uh, Play through through an all-new story-driven campaign where you cook hundreds of foods, including many... Uh, brand new to the series across hundreds of levels in a new gameplay structure that has been completely redesigned to deliver fast-paced action or take it easy with an all-new chill mode that can be toggled on or off at any time. It's a post-apocalyptic cooking game. That's amazing. Yeah. Different, anyway. It's good. All right. Crisis Remastered comes to PlayStation 4. The classic first-person shooter from Crytek is back with the action-packed gameplay, sandbox world, and thrilling epic battles you loved the first time around. Now with software-based ray tracing, remastered graphics optimized for a new generation of hardware. And that uh, that software-based ray tracing is supposed to be a pretty impressive feat that they pulled off technically. Yeah, that's, I'm looking forward to that. Didn't they have the trailer that like was like really messed up? Yeah, they did. Yeah, it wasn't running very well, I think. But oops, who knows? Well, we'll see how it all goes. I used to really like Crisis a lot, so we'll see that. For for our younger listeners, that was like the first game that people were like, "This looks real," you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It really doesn't, but it did at the time. In 2007, FIFA 21 comes to PS4, powered by Frostbite. FIFA 21 raises the game with fresh features. Enjoy even bigger victories together in Volta football squads and FIFA Ultimate Team co-op. Feel a new level of gameplay realism that rewards you for your creativity and control. Manage every moment in FIFA 21 career mode with new innovations that create additional depth in matches, transfers, and training. Experience unrivaled authenticity that gives you the most true-to-life experience of the world's game, including the UEFA Champions League. I think that's how you say that, right, UEFA? And Conmebol Libertarian... What?! What? <laughs> Conmebol Libertadores? Libertad- Libertad- L- L- right. uh, Next. Uh, Libertadores, I think. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm looking at. Uh, Next. Yeah, this, this is me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. G.I. Joe. Yeah. Operation Blackout comes to PS4. G.I. Joe and Cobra are back. G.I. Joe Operation Blackout is a classic team-based third-person shooter where you play as your favorite characters from Team G.I. Joe and Team Cobra. Experience the action from both sides, on which there are fine people, uh, yes. as you help G.I. Joe rest- <laughs> restore, order, uh, restore order and uh, lead Cobra to world domination. There are very fine people on both sides <laughs> in the Cobra G.I. Joe <laughs> yeah. fight. Okay, Grand Prix story comes to PS4. Try your hand at managing an auto racing team. Become the boss of your own team, training drivers and acquiring sponsors before conquering the Grand Prix. Develop new vehicles and parts and customize them in any way you'd like. Do you have what it takes to make it to the winner's circle? No knowledge of motorsports is required to play. That's a Kairosoft game. People might remember them from Game Dev Story oh. back in the day. Ooh. Halloween Candy Break comes to PS4. Halloween Candy Break is an arcade game that lets the user break candy bricks with a unique bat paddle and ball. Unique animated Halloween levels, monster mini bosses and power ups to collect while you progress through the levels. 30 levels to play in and battle mini bosses on your way to victory. Single player retro arcade fun. I think they just said the same thing like in three different ways. But (laughs) Uh, I'm really excited to hear (laughs) Dustin say this next one, but the the one after this. (laughs) But uh, Monster Prom XXL comes to PS4. There's only three weeks left until prom and you haven't got a date yet. And you're a monster. (laughs) But that's okay, because at your high school, everyone else is, too. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> these are these are the stepping stones into the world of Man- uh, Monster Prom XXL, the bundled up content filled edition of Monster Prom, a one to four player competitive dating sim that will have you thinking, I I never knew I was into that. Oh Jesus! What does wow. that mean? I I don't know, but it's the concept of a competitive dating sim is is, is pretty awesome. Yeah, it sounds great. I, it sounds I really love that idea. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Okay, this next one, I'm the resident weeb here at CLS. Yes. I, I think I can handle it. Oni yeah. Chan Bara Origin comes to PS4 to commemorate the 15th anniversary of the sword fighting action series Oni Chan Bara. The events of the Oni Chan Bara and the Oni Chan Bara 2 have been completely remade in HD. The story of Aya and Saki, the two sisters bound by mutual hatred and locked in a brutal fight to the death, has been revived and reimagined. I always thought they when Oni Chambara first came out, it was one word. I think that might have been a mistranslation at some point because they've clearly separated them out. Yeah, here. well, in the description, it was two words. And then in the actual title, it was one. So oh, I don't know. Oh, well, that I well, this is all verbatim so whatever it is here these blue underlined ones are the the ones that are that are right yeah i that's a i as i recall that's a really fan servicey like pervy game mm. but i never write that one down yeah please do you're lonely as we already established so mm, right Pedal Crash comes to PS4. Easy to learn and rewarding the master, Pedal Crash is a brand new puzzle game in the tradition of the arcade action puzzlers of the mid-90s. Like the games that inspired it, Pedal Crash features a variety of single-player challenges in addition to an intense head-to-head versus mode. The rules are simple. Push a block in any direction, and it'll keep going until it hits a wall or another block. If it hits a block of the same color, the blocks will burst, sending any other blocks next to them flying. Line them up Line them up just right to create huge chain reactions, racking up points and burying your opponents in garbage. Ooh. What I've always wanted to do. Raji and uh, an ancient epic comes to PS4. The story of Raji and ancient epic begins with the start of a new war between the demons and the gods. Seeking to avenge their defeat in the last great war from a thousand years ago, the demons have challenged the gods who humiliated them and have invaded the human realm, threatening them with extinction. Thinking that their enemies had been utterly defeated in the last great war a thousand years ago. <laughs> <laughs> the humans had fallen into a false sense of security, forgetting uh, the ways of alchemy while enjoying the peace. Unable to defend themselves, cities and fortresses fell, leaving the humans at the mercy of the demons. This is lore. This isn't, yeah, damn. This isn't like... Uh, this isn't a game description. This is lore. Yeah, I just <laughs> I don't know what the game is. And now I, I know the lore of Raji and Ancient Epic, and I'm v- upset. <laughs> Okay, Red Wings Aces of the Sky comes to PS4. Red Wings Aces of the Sky is a dynamic action game that will show you amazing battles straight from the pages of history in a brand new arcade gameplay style. Use your unique skills to take down your opponents, develop your deadly pilot aim, and become the true ace of the sky. Witness the birth, rise, and fall of the Red Baron, Manfred von Richthofen the ultimate hero of the First World War, credited with 80 victories, become a part of his squadron or his arch rival. Cool. Remothered Broken Porcelain comes to PS4. The truths buried in the Ashman Inn will not be discovered easily. Its many mysteries are intertwined and guarded by the looming threat of the stalkers, powerful hunters trapped in time in the confines of its walls. 
Survival will take more than just quick reactions as a strategic and resourceful approach will quick, quickly become critical in this haunting adventure. Be smart. Knowing the best time to sneak, flee or fight imminent dangers can quickly make the hunters become the hunted. Our friends at Push Square say that the game is horrible. By Dude, the way. I reviewed the first one and it was really bad. And yet it has well, a sequel. Yeah, unless yeah, it is made a sequel to it nonetheless. <laughs> wow. Reflection of mine comes to PS4. Help Lily Witchgan, uh, a young girl who has disassociative identity disorder. (laughs) (laughs) Discover which person... I probably have this too, honestly. Uh, Discover which personality is the real one and uncover a dark plot as Lily navigates her mindscape. Control two different characters at the same time as you attempt to get to the exit by navigating both personalities through a multitude of traps. Each side of the stage is different for each of the personalities, so be cautious. Uh, Can you solve the broken puzzle that is Lily Witchgan's mind? It sounds the the premise is really cool, but it's ironically kind of uh, I don't know. It's it, it kind of makes like it's obviously about a, a disorder, but it also kind of just you know makes it seem like this person's just fucking yeah. insane, you know? Yeah. yeah, maybe it hits a little close to home. It's maybe a, I mean, it's it's like vaguely insensitive the way the way that's written. Something about it. I don't know, Chris. It looks like uh, you lucked out with this with this rotation here because Robotics <laughs> Notes Dash comes to PS4. The island of Tanigashima is preparing for the summer festival through Nai Tenuji, an acquaintance from JAXA. That's the Ka- uh, that JAXA is the is NASA in Japan. Oh, okay. Uh, Kaito Yoshio is introduced to Itaru Hashida. From the Steins Gate series, Itaru claims to be taking a tour of the island, but as time goes on, he starts acting rather strangely. Meanwhile, unsettling incidents begin to occur all around them. Harbingers of an event that will again plunge the world into chaos. Also, Robotics Notes Elite comes to PS4. Play as Kaido Yashio, one of the last two members of Central Tanegashima High's Robot Research Club. He kicks back and relaxes as his counterpart, the reckless club leader Akiho Senomiya, strives to complete their giant robot in order to keep the club from being disbanded. But Kaido's days of relaxation end with the discovery of the mysterious Kimijima report. It contains instructions involving locations all across the island and warns of a conspiracy targeting the entire world. I really lucked out. Yes. <laughs> Space Crew comes to PS4. Space Crew is the brand new sequel to acclaimed strategic survival simulation game Bomber Crew. Uh, your Space Crew needs you. Enlist today and blast off to new heights. The United Defense Force will allow you to set across the galaxy on a campaign to defend Earth. It will be your responsibility uh, to help uh, stop all of humankind being wiped off the intergalactic stage by the mysterious extraterrestrial threat known as Phasmids. <laughs> street Racer Underground comes to PS4. Live the thrill of street racing in this fast-paced car game. Dodge the traffic, escape from the police, and get the highest score. Buy your new ride and pimp it till it's hot. Reach as many checkpoints as possible in the endless mode. Run away from cops chasing you or compete against other drivers in four difficult racing events. You have your babe on your side to support you in your efforts. Yikes. Uh, Don't forget to combine your nitro as much as possible for a juicy speed bonus. All right. The Jackbox Party Pack 7 comes to PS4. Five new incredible party games to bring the fun. 
The Say Anything Threequel Quiplash 3 Get Big Laughs Answering the Quirkiest Prompts. The Collaborative Chaos Game The Devils in the Details Can You Survive the Daily Torture of Human Life? The Drawing <laughs> Fighting Game Champed Up Can You Take Down the Heavy Favorite? The On the Spot Speech Game Talking Points Just Keep Talking Whether It Makes Sense or Not. The Pop Culture Guessing Game Blather Round It's Good Fun t- It's a Good Fun Time Experience. <laughs> Can You Survive the Daily Torture of Human Life? No. No. That's Barely. such a good. Uh, I love that write up for that for that reason alone. <laughs> Daily tour. The survivalist comes to PS4. Uh, a living world of uh, full of surprises, secrets, and danger awaits in the survivalists. An adventure filled survival sandbox set in the escapists universe. That's not the website. Explore, <laughs> build, craft, and even train monkeys with up to three friends in a desperate bid to survive. Have you got what it takes to be a survivalist? I don't know. We're going to find out because the world's ending. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) This is the Zodiac speaking comes to PS4. This is the Zodiac speaking is a fact based single player psychological thriller based on the story of Zodiac, one of the most famous never caught serial killers or uh, who's the the politician. um, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz or Ted Cruz. Right. Uh, It mixes vintage 70s California visuals and an original epic cinematic soundtrack with gameplay elements that include classic horror, investigation, stealth mechanics and multiple endings to discover. Cool. 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 Uh, Let's see here. Torchlight 3 comes to PS4. It's been a century since the events of Torchlight 2 and the Ember Empire is in decline. In Torchlight 3, Nova Shraya... I think that's how you say it. it is again under threat of invasion and it's up to you to defend against the netherim and its allies gather your wits and brave the frontier to find fame glory and new adventures okay and the last uh, one thank who thank god um <laughs> you don't need to release so many games at once guys two parsecs from earth comes to ps4 robot z3l1's ship has crash landed in the inhospitable planet uh, uh called dimid dimidium Dimidium, I would say, yeah. Dimidium, filled with alien landscapes and hostile surroundings. To escape and return home, Z3L1... T- <laughs> what? Must Isn't gather... to Zelly? Oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't give a shit. It's so stupid. <laughs> that's, that's, that's whatever. Must gather clues, gain powers, and discover artifacts needed to fix a spaceship. Uh, explore the planet in this Metroidvania-style exploration game where the environment is your enemy. And that's the last one. That's the final game. All right. It's the last game that will ever be released. That's it. That's all. We don't need any more games. No Vita games this week, which is kind of shocking considering. (laughs) I didn't even count. I think it's like 30 games or so. So, all right, let's wipe our brows and get into the listener mail. As we always end tradition dictates our shows with six questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas from the audience. You can submit them on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins last stand. Like Saul Nolasco did. Said it. Good day, CDC. Colin, you always tell us to speak with our wallets to make a statement with the big companies like EA or Activision. If that were to happen, wouldn't that theoretic- theoretically hurt the developer more than it would the parent company? Thanks for all that you two or three do. Thank you, Saul, for writing in. It's a good question. Uh, Dustin, I throw it to you first. If we speak with our wallets against the megalithic EA, Activision, etc., it hurts the developers underneath, of course. Should we worry about that? You know, this has always been a complicated thing just because there are, you know, the average Joe game developer that, you know, hundreds, thousands of them work for these big companies. So 
it is a point of contention, you know, when you have an overlord like that. So I don't know. I've thought about this before. I mean, usually I feel like it's maybe not as effective, but also effective that a lot of these companies, when they feel public pressure via like Twitter or just online, that's also an effective way to speak to these companies. But I guess it probably comes down to the issue on, you know, how detrimental is it, whether or not you're willing to just make a blanket regardless of those people working on the game. Um, I don't know. This is a hard one. Yeah, it is. It is tough. I agree with you. I've thought about it, too. What do you think about this, Chris? I mean, I I don't know. I, I think technically that's true. But at the same time, it's like, what other recourse do you really have at that point? Like, if, if you can't vote with your wallet, then you can't really vote at all. And a vote with your wallet is a vote for Trump. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you. I, I think that this is tough, but you have no real recourse. Like Chris is saying, it's not I hate to put it in such crude terms, but it, it, and I don't mean it to be flippant, but it's not really our problem. Like you, that's your company. You work for them. You're going to live or die by the decisions they make and the products they put out. It's like saying, well, Coca-Cola owns Tropicana and and Tropicana orange juice is I love Tropicana, but Tropicana orange juice is terrible. And so I'm going to not buy it anymore, but it hurts Coke and I like Coke and I don't really want to hurt them. It's like that's too that's too many layers, man. You just got to speak with your wallet and let things kind of fall where they may. If you're really concerned about the developers under EA or Activision, then keep buying their games. But that is going to send them the wrong message. So, yeah, in order to make EA or Activision yield to whatever your demand is, as it were, then they're going to have to financially fail a little bit. And that's going to come with consequences. You can't have it both ways, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and I do think like in, in a lot of cases, I feel like you'll find a lot of developers who would, you know, who would agree with this in general, where it's like, you know, like the, the people who made Crash Team Racing, like Beanox, when they made that game and they put it out, it's that's a great freaking racer. That is a great, I would argue, the best kart racer that exists. But. Activision also promised when they released that game that they wouldn't have microtransactions in place at all. And that kind of garnered them a lot of goodwill for the original reviews. And then later on, they just sort of snuck it in there. And I'm pretty damn sure that that wasn't like a primarily developer driven decision. So in in their case, I would be like, yeah, you know, like I, I wouldn't feel bad saying, yeah, probably don't buy Crash Team Racing. You know, if they if if they were willing to just sort of like totally lie and just throw this like this this penny pinching shit into into a game that otherwise would have been pretty damn good. Um, and I think a lot of the people who would have made that game probably would understand that reasoning because that's just that's not cool. You know, yeah, it's yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, it, it's it's this is the way the economy works and the way money works and funding works and. You, you just can't have it both ways. I would say it that way. Ultimately, yeah. Ultimately, I think you want publishers who want developers to make great games. Right. And right. that's kind of you vote with your wallet that way, because like if, if a great development team makes the game that the publisher wants them to make and that and it fails. Sure. That can sometimes mean that the studio might close. It's, you know, EA is no stranger to that, although I think they've been a little bit better about it in this in the last 10 years than they have been previously. But ultimately, like if they fail a little bit, it doesn't necessarily mean that the teams are going away. It just means that the teams are going to be focusing on different things, things that ultimately would benefit everybody, which is why presumably 
presumably there are no microtransactions in Tony Hawk and there are no microtransactions in uh, Crash 4. And that's probably because, you know, people talked about how shit it was in CTR and they didn't want that shit, you know, uh, weighing down a new release. So I think it works out in the end. Yeah, I agree with you. And I will say, I mean, EA is a walking, talking fart noise at this point. But Activision, I feel like Act- if you separate Activision Blizzard and the, the political stuff that's going on in China and, and all of that, I just on a game basis, they're doing pretty well. I mean, Activision's, I think, improving not only in quality, but in terms of the games they're putting out and how they're listening and stuff. And I feel like you kind of got to yeah detach them from the likes of EA at this point, which I think is largely a disappointing publisher they they did just put out like star wars squadrons which apparently is really good and doesn't have any that's true any uh microtransactions at all yeah as we noted last week it's uh they announced they made the unusual move of announcing that the game is what it is like they're not they're not even going to add to it which is uh shows a little bit of restraint but maybe them moving on to another project i don't know and uh, we i'm still curious about how that game is selling as well but i don't know that we will find out anytime soon All right, let's move on to the next one here. Jason Green wrote into us and he says, hey, boys, hope all is well. Not much of a question this week, just more of a comment. Remember how big of a thing it was when you couldn't change your PSN name? Now that you can, pretty sure you can at least. Nobody talks about it. None of my friends seem interested in changing their PSN names, and quite frankly, neither do I. Thankfully, we don't have any embarrassing PSN names, but I just find it funny how this topic seemingly fell off the face of the earth. Any thoughts? Just curious what you guys think. Take care and much love from Brooklyn. Please give Rush a pat on the head for me. I will do that. So I was a big, for many years, a big, loud proponent of changing your PSN name. Now that you can do it, I don't care anymore because now I know I can do it. And when I'm ready to do it, I will. The reason I haven't changed my name yet, because my name is still Moriarty-IGN, which it's been for, I don't know, 13 years, is I don't want to break any of my old saves or game data until I'm positive that I don't need them anymore. So Sony did announce that with PS3 and Vita in particular, there could be a lot of detrimental effects and some of the games might not even work. So when I'm sure that I don't want to go back to any of those games anymore, then I'll probably change my name. But until then, just knowing I can do it is enough for me right now. Dustin, do you remember the the fight over this? You were you're a longtime listener of my work. You know that I've been bitching about this for right. uh, many years. Yeah, I mean, it was only a big deal that everyone talked about because it was such an obvious thing they should have had. And so now that it's the obvious thing that is implemented, it's, you know, as it should be just a small thing that you can do if you need to so that's i think why people aren't talking about it and i think that there may still be some hesitancy with like you said the compatibility stuff so yeah i i don't know i mean i'm not surprised that no one's talking about it yeah i think it was just interesting because people might remember that there used to be a playstation site what the fuck was it called where you could vote on things that you wanted them to change and it was it was like something like share vote or something and and it was at the top of the list for like years and they just kept ignoring it. And it's like, well, what is the point of this of this whole thing if you're just going to ignore us? So when they finally let that happen, that was a big relief for me because I knew I just could do it. So uh, thank you, Jason, for writing in. Christian Coulter wrote into us and said, hey, DC squared. So the fact that Sony takes a 30 percent cut from what they sell in the store is common knowledge. But what about physical sales of third party games? Can you elaborate on this uh, uh based on Twin Breaker or is it NDA? I would love to know if it's 30% of the final price, 30% of the price before the final retail or something else completely. Any input would be appreciated. So for retail games, it's, uh, as far as I understand, it's based on the 30% gross revenue as of the game is being sold to the retailer. 
So it's not the end sale. On PSN, it is 30% gross of the end sale. So when we sell Twin Breaker for $10, we gross $7. We're lucky because we self-publish. If you sell a $10 game and then gross $7, then you have to split it often with your publisher and other people that funded your game, which is why game developers don't make as much money as people think that they do. You're only starting with 70%. And just to be clear, gross and net means typically gross is uh, just crude money before taxes are taken out. Net is what you net after taxes. So we're talking about 30% gross, which is the worst 30% you can get. So I just wanted to point that out for Christian, that that's how it works. Other bigger developers and publishers might have different deals, but the 30% is typically the cut. And that's why Epic Game Stores and others are trying to kind of undercut that because 30% is a lot of money. I can tell you that just as someone who published a game now and we're publishing another one soon, it's a lot of money. And I don't know that Sony's really earning that 30%, but you could just argue that, of course, they're earning it because it's their platform so they can charge you whatever they want. It would be nice if they can get that down a little bit to, let's say, 25%, 20%. But I'm sure that they cannot afford to do that. All right, let's see here. James wrote in. Said, hey, Chris, Colin, and maybe Dustin, I know Sony could definitely be handling their information and marketing in a much cleaner and less confusing fashion. However, you guys keep talking about marketing, and I just have to ask why they are currently sold out of PS5 systems. So why spend a large amount of money when interested customers cannot purchase a console right now if they wanted to? It seems to me that if Sony is trying to be intentional with their marketing budget, advertising for the PS5 should start around Thanksgiving or so when consoles may actually start showing up in stores. That is just my thought and was curious what you guys seemed, why you guys seem to have such a negative view of their current lack of advertising for a system that is currently sold out. Keep making every day I listen to lovely. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, what does he say? Keep making every day I listen to your lovely voice is a great day. I see. That's my fault, James. Thank you for that. All right. So I do want to amend something I've been saying, boys, over the last few weeks. I did see PlayStation commercials during the NFL games this past weekend. So that is now changing. But uh, Chris, let's throw it over to you. Do you think Sony should keep their marketing budget dry, their powder dry until they have consoles to sell? I totally disagree with this notion. I think you've got to get people excited. And it's and the part of the excitement of the marketing is that you can't find it. Yeah. Right. Like you it's, it's very similar to what Nintendo did with the Wii. I know it sucks for the end user, but it's it's a really compelling way to get people to be amped up. So what do you think about Sony's marketing and if they should maybe be waiting until they actually have consoles to sell? No, yeah, I, I think it always helps to remind people that your thing exists, you know, especially especially in a, especially in a year like this where, you know, people might easily forget about something as trivial as a games console when like there's so much more to pay attention to. I think I think having a fairly robust marketing push helps. I don't necessarily think you need to, you know, go full on like, you know, uh, ARG or anything, but like it, it does help to market your product just so people know that it's out because it's it's pretty easy for people to just forget about shit like that. Like they just they just had an Apple event about the new iPhone or whatever the hell, and I had no idea that that was even happening. You know, like I had no clue, and it's because they didn't really make a push for it. But it's fine because that's kind of the push. Right. The, the push is like, oh, we're going to drop this this uh, event and we're going to go do a deep dive into this stupid fucking, you know, twelve hundred dollar thing. I just think it. I just I don't necessarily I don't agree with the, the idea that like, oh, there's nothing to say, because if that was the case, then like a, a ton of ads would just stop the second everything was sold out and they had to replenish new ones 
Like no one's going to do that. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It makes no sense. Uh, I, I mean, I appreciate what he's saying, but it, it makes no sense to me. What do you think, Dustin? Do you think that Sony should be heavily marketing PS5 when you can't even find one? I think that they're actually hitting a good happy medium right now because I know that like I don't watch any cable television, so I don't know about any ads there. But like I've definitely gotten PlayStation 5 ads on YouTube, not super prevalent, but it's a it's a medium of making sure to remind people that it's something they want. I'd like Chris was saying, like people, how many times have you wanted something and then you're like, eh, not right now. Or, oh, I can't get that right now. And then you just go along in your life and then you forget about it. And then it doesn't even matter if you wanted it because you moved on. So they have to balance and make sure they they hold the carrot out there and be like, hey, remember, this is something you want, even if you can't buy it. Don't forget you want this because eventually they will be able to buy it. So somewhere in the middle is the, the way to go. Yeah, well said. I think that they have to keep marketing this thing might make more sense to, to really heat it up once they do have consoles to find. But I'm really of the mind that the excitement of knowing this thing is out there, even if you can't find it and then you're keeping an eye out for it, you're thinking about it, you're you're putting it on a wish list on Amazon, whatever. I think all of this stuff is relevant. And um, I just think you have to play on that that battlefield because then you have a console that is not sold out eventually, but also has no marketing and inertia behind it. It's not not a good look for them. So, no, I think that they. I, I agree with you, Dustin. I think that they're doing a pretty nice job. And hearing the uh, PlayStation during NFL this weekend was uh, unexpected. So we'll keep an eye on that and have more updates in the coming weeks. Jonah wrote into us and said, hi, Colin and Chris. Colin, why are you so dismissive towards the Jack and Daxter series? This is a big hang up for a lot of people. Yeah. These games were ahead of their time in many ways, especially Jack two and three. I think your perception of this series is false. These games are not really platformers. They are futuristic open world action games. Jack 2 and 3 were more mature in tone. I think a Jack game in the modern era would be amazing, especially on the PS5, and it could still be innovative. The series never met its full potential. It's not like the series was mediocre. I would even argue that it's conceptually better than Uncharted or The Last of Us. How would you feel if Naughty Dog had two teams and the second team were to make a Jack game? Which other developer could make a Jack game? Thanks and keep up the good work. So I must admit, I, I am not a fan of these games. I think I only played the first one. So I'm not even familiar with Jack 2 or 3 apart from what I've seen of them. A lot of people really are hung up. And I was just talking about this with someone recently. It might have been my nephew or something about how a lot of people really get mad when I say that Jack would be a waste of time for Naughty Dog. A lot of people really disagree with this. Chris, I'm I'm wondering if Naughty Dog could support a second team and they could. They have in the past. Would it be a wise use of their resources to have that second team making a Jack game? And if not, who would you want to see maybe return to that series, if anyone? Yeah, I mean, I... I've always felt this way about anything, but like I, I typically think that once a developer moves on from a franchise or an established series, it's never a great thing for them to go back. I think it, it feels a lot like, I mean, to what we were talking about earlier, it's, it's kind of like moving back in with your parents. It's, right. like, it's like the situation where it's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I've done well here and I could you know do this again pretty well probably but what does that do for me doing the same thing that i did before but slightly better when i can you know move somewhere new and try completely new things that i can use my talents on that would be relatively unexpected i think i i think a jack game could do well in the modern era i think open world action games are huge they were in in, in a way uh, kind of ahead of their time 
they weren't games that I played, but I knew a lot of friends who played it and I watched a lot of my friends play through it. And yeah, I, I think I think a lot of studios could do it. I, I don't know if there's one that really sticks out as like, oh, they could totally make a Jack game. But I, I just don't think Naughty Dog, whether it's the primary team or a secondary team within, I, I don't think their time would be best used on a Jack game. It's important to remember, I think, and people forget this, that Naughty Dog was pretty open about trying to go back to Jack at some point and that they made like that that concept art of Jack and like had him running and he looked like fucking weird and freaky. And so they they, they were thinking about it as far as I think that I could be wrong about this, but I think only one other developer has ever made a Jack and Daxter game that's ready at dawn and they're not available anymore, obviously, because they're now with Facebook. So. Uh, Dustin, are you a fan of Jack and Daxter? And as the editor of this show, do you think that I'm typically too hard on that franchise? I don't think you're too hard on it. I mean, I'm I'm with you that I I'm always of the opinion that I want studios to do new things. I would say like 90 percent of the time. I just always like to see studios try new things as opposed to just, you know, up updating and slightly revising the things they've already done. So. I'm with you that I think that a Jack game, a new Jack game, I think is definitely possible and maybe even could be great. I just don't think that Naughty Dog is the studio to do it. I don't have a lot of experience with Jack and Daxter. I played a little bit of the first game when it was out, but overall during that era, I was more interested in playing first person shooters and stuff like that. So I don't understand, not in a bad way. I just don't have any personal experience to know why people love this franchise so much. But yeah, I I just it's one of those things. Again, I, I want to see new stuff. Jack had its time and maybe it's just time for something new. Yeah, I think that they you know, we already have a Jack. It's called Ratchet and Clank. And we don't need I don't think to have multiple. It's the same with Sly Cooper, which I, I'm really fond of, too. It's just we don't I don't know in this era that we need multiple mascot platformers and to his point maybe it's not a platformer in the same way but it, it kind of is I mean it wasn't that long ago that I played Jack on PS3 it's not it, it didn't suck me in like Ratchet and Clank or Sly Cooper sucked me in so I know that a lot of people disagree with that but I do want to you know we can always have a difference of, of opinion here as far as who can make the Jack game I don't know I think there are a lot of smaller developers I mean think about other ocean and medieval you could just farm it out to a small team, but I just don't know if that's what people are thinking. I think when people think of Jack and Daxter, they think that Sony's going to make a fifty million dollar Jack and Daxter game, and I just don't, I don't see that happening. So <laughs> yeah, maybe, but yeah, maybe no it will. Way. I don't know. Yeah, I, maybe it will. But I, you know, when you see Medieval, which probably cost them five million or seven million dollars to make, I think that that would be a more reasonable expectation. And then finally, we have a letter here from Three Jacks Burger Bar wrote in and said, "Hey guys." I just had a vent about all of this crunch nonsense. So we have been talking a lot about crunch lately. I'm sure both of you can relate, but I'm a chef owner at a burger bar and I experience a form of crunch every day. The last hour before we open the hour of downtime we have between lunch and dinner rush, the final push before we close are all forms of crunch. As an owner, however, I don't receive any extra compensation no matter how much I work. Yes, the business makes more money if we are busier than usual, but I take the same amount for myself personally, despite the extra time I may put in. So if a game developer works more and gets paid more then I can't empathize with their situation. And yes, I totally agree that journalists make this out to be a bigger story than it needs to be. We got a lot of letters about this over the last few weeks, and I'm curious what you guys think. I'll throw it to Dustin first, but I do want to give a special shout out. I'm not saying it's hard work is unique and endemic to blue collar work, but I think that when I hear about crunch, 
that's what I think about the most are people really putting their bodies on the line. Like I was out driving yesterday, uh, coming back from my mom's from dinner and we saw um, a UPS truck delivering packages at like nine at night. And I, I remarked that it's crazy that that guy's going to have to go back like in 10 hours and and do this all over again. That's crunch to me. And that seems to be I'm not saying it's easy to make games, It's not easy to make games. It's not easy to do white collar work for the most part. But I just think about the blue collar jobs I've done and the blue collar workers I know and how hard they work and how they put it all on the line. And I just feel like this argument makes it tone deaf when you have people doing really difficult labor and maybe they complain privately and maybe they have every reason to complain publicly, but it just comes off as completely detached from reality when you when the CD project story is such a big story and there are people doing so much more work and putting so much more out on the line for so much less. That's kind of where I stand. But what do you how do you feel about that, Dustin? Yeah, I don't know if I have anything new to say on the situation that I didn't say, what, two weeks ago, just that crunch like this is very common in a lot of jobs. And like you said, a lot of people don't get paid a big bonus at the end. It's just what's expected. And sometimes often that crunch can be also really hard manual labor, not, you know, sitting at a chair, which I mean, there's no disrespect to people who sit in a chair all day and work. That's what we do. So, yeah, it's um, it is. And I think the one thing that I will say this time is that I want to be fair to the fact that it is a very from from the picture that we've been told is that it's a very extended month long months and months long thing, which I think obviously that is a undesirable position. But again, it goes back to that. It's just what comes with the territory. I mean, any creative job, this is what it is. I've done light work in, in film industry and working at different production houses and there were always people there at nighttime, like burning the midnight oil every single night. So, yeah, that's that's about it, I guess. Yeah. Do you have anything to wrap this up, this kind of commentary up, Chris? Any of your thoughts? Um, I feel like I. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of with Dustin where like, I, I don't know if there's much more that I can say about it than I already have. But I, I, I would say that, you know, uh, making amazing shit is not easy and it's going to it you know it is going to take invariably like some form of hard work and some form of hard effort to really take your thing and bring it to the next level but i do think the existence of crunch is inherently kind of a, a managerial issue where the people who are kind of in charge of laying the 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 roadmap of how a development studio is going to function and how they're going to make this this thing that they've set out to make some part of that pipeline is flawed or some part of that pipeline does not function as intended. And, you know, perhaps if your studio needs to do these extended crunch periods, maybe that's fine. But maybe also look at what's causing that in the first place and maybe get better at that as opposed to being yeah. like, oh, well, this is a bad thing, irrespective of its context. I, I, I would say, like, you know, if I was running a game studio and every single time we had to have this, like, you know, three-month insane crunch and people are, like, you know, dropping out and, like, checking into mental wards, you know, maybe I'd be like, oh, maybe I should hire a new manager. <laughs> right, something. yeah, or yeah, that's all production and, like... Yeah, it's... it's, I, it's I'm, I'm with you. It's, yeah. it's not ideal, right? It's not ideal. 
Yeah. But I, I think that, I don't know. I get a lot of letters from people, you know, truck drivers and whatever people just working in stores. And I've worked a lot of blue collar jobs. I was a landscaper. I was a groundskeeper. I was I worked at a horse stable. I worked in a deli. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about the things that I do now and I'm like, I work really hard and I do leave it all on the table. But man, I'm so glad that I'm not doing snow removal right now or or fucking laying down truckloads of mulch and shit like that. And I think people that do that kind of stuff, that essential kind of work, the blue collar work, I think they roll their eyes when they read this stuff. And I'm rolling my eyes right along with you. So just want everyone to know that. (laughs) So thank you all for your hard work out there. And of course, for sharing your opinions with us. That's all we have for this episode of the show. I do want to talk to you guys about something. Maybe we'll leave it for next week, but I'll maybe I'll put it here as a postscript. Uh, Gearbox reached out to us about Godfall and to me, and we need to discuss with the audience what we should do about that because we've been saying that we won't deal with or won't reach out to PR. What do we do when PR reaches out to us is a, a question maybe we'll talk about next week. Yeah. So I'd like to get the audience's in, input on that and uh, what they think we should do. But in the meantime, that's all we have for Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. We appreciate all your love, kindness and support of us on free feeds. And of course, on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins last stand. Dustin, thank you for uh, taking the time to be with us this week. You now have to go edit the show. So good luck to you. Thank you. I'm, it, it'll be fine. You know, I'm, I've actually kind of like adapted my schedule to be a little later this these past few weeks. So it's a little no more problem. Colin, a little more Colin like. Yes, your, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you keep a more normal schedule when not any. You've actually held on for dear life for long enough. You'd need to be a night <laughs> owl fully now. And uh, Chris, of course, thank you as always for being here. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you all out there again. Talk to you soon. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Richmond, Virginia and Burbank, California, USA. This show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at NoTaxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at Chris R. Gunn and on Instagram at Chris underscore Ray underscore Gunn. Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. As you know, all of Colin's Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Paul Joyce, Ryan T. Mandel, Jorge Palomino, Enrique Perez, Don Lee, Brad Cooley, SLD FMA, Daniel D'Amour, Patrick Leslie, Jeremy Key, Joey Finelli, Azan, Ben, Michael Vecchio, Morgan Ashley, Miguel A. Brewer, Isaac Wastman, Zach Parsley, Ross Marenka, Jerome Ferreira, Stephen Nieder, Gregory Slavinsky, Bjorn Campbell, an unofficial controller podcast, Andrew Morgan, Constantine Valencia, Nick DeMarco, Jariah King, Homeworld Hub, Shane Rayum, Mark Boggio, Jonathan Reich, Chad Lewis, Keith A. Lewis, Lennon Brixie, Peter Reynolds, Greg Juliff, Spencer Brown, Joe McPartland, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lou and Ray Loper, Josh Bushing, Betty Ann Moriarty, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Tony Zuniga, Alex Cabrera, Corey Wyatt, Adam Nix, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Sean Chandler, Petro Rose, Justin Wagaman, Tyler Harris, Toby Schutman, Madmock Media, Lawrence F. Prokop, Toothless Gibbon, Martin Beck, Donnie Nolan, Todd Paxton, Josh Yeager, Miranda Grubba, Michael S., Marius Garson Peterson, William O'Carroll, Mike Wayne, Mubarak, Gerald Pennington, Phil Crone, Dylan Burns, Brian Chan, Connor Gashian, Throw Seven, Josh Gravelick, Tyler Bello, Anton Kay, 
Sean Battershaw, Gio Corsi, Josh McKinney, Alan Tremblay, James Kinslow III, John Cordero, Organic Produce, Carl Tolman, Richter86, Nathan R, Joshua Smallwood, McDog18, Patrick Harper, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Ryan R. Kittredge, Barrett Boswell, Hugo's Desk, Chris Bustin, Sean Mason, Damon Weathers, Matthew Purdue, Jesse Owen, Chris Galvin, Ryan Murdoch, Colin Davenport, Blake Israel, Sci-Fi Book Club, Anti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Scott Lovelace, Andrew Parker, Robbie Hensley, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Gavin, Bloody Fang, Eric Harden, Matt Martin, Mason Cadillac, Richard Hebert III, Saul Balcazar, Raul Melendez, Kevin Komaki, Of Fortuna, Boots, Megadet, TB Lightning, Galja, Darren Gardner, Daryl E. Naaman, David Castanez, Greg Lada, Christopher DeVaio, Ray Leja, Jay Getter, Vexius, JJ Game, Jeff McCardo, Zach Bonham, Colin Jewell, Nelson LeBlanc, Daniel Johnson, Lettereant Johnson, Nick Thornton, and Casual Misfits Gaming. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.